Hey, hey, welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This episode, we have Will Thorpe of Heretical Theology, and I am very excited to jump into that. Before I do, just want to remind you guys that everything I do, all these podcasts, the resources I put out, um, chatting with people for hours on end, helping them through their processes of deconversion, deconstruction, radical shifts in faith, um, is all free, and it's uh, very much a full-time job for me. Um, And so if you want to help support me in what I'm doing, you can do that over at Patreon, um, patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner um, and as a thank you for that you get access to our private discussion group we have all kinds of fascinating discussions over there um, uh, we've got a monthly zoom call that we do and, and that's always a, a beautiful connection time um, and there's a few other perks here and there um, in, in some higher tiers um, as always there's never any need to give I'm always here to talk I'm always here to help um, the content will always be coming out free um but it does make a big difference it helps me pay the bills and and i do appreciate it anyway let's dive in to our conversation with will hey 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 what's up man can you hear me how you doing you all right yeah i'm good can you hear me yeah i can hear you wonderfully so awesome it's nice to have a face to put behind the meme (laughs) (laughs) thanks man (laughs) likewise you having a good day so you have birds i just i just (laughs) found this out just looking at your stories today and i was like whoa Sky yeah, there's a bird. There's a couple of birds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we got uh, we have a conure, a green, uh, we have a green cheek conure, and we also have a parakeet. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they're they're pretty great. Yeah, I, I'm always intrigued by birds. Are just such a fascinating animal. Like, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. You start looking at birds a bit close, and you go, "Holy crap! This thing is a dinosaur, and it's still here." And, uh, pretty, they they are a they, lot like, like dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, like if, if you watch Jurassic Park, like they they nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating for sure. Um, yeah, birds, man, crazy. Don't mess with birds. I watching. I, I watched uh, chickens hunting rats. And that, like, I get, I, you know, you go on like these YouTube kind of like, <laughs> how am I here? How am I watching YouTube? So you, chickens hunting rats, but here I am. And I'm watching them for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, it's literally like watching raptors it's, hunt people it's, on it's Jurassic awful. Park. It is, uh, uh, it's, it's nuts. Um, it gave me I a watched, newfound respect for chickens. <laughs> yeah. There's a, um, an Instagram page I follow. If you love animals at all, if you're listening to this, don't, don't go to this page. <laughs> but if you like nature or national geographic stuff mm. and you want to watch, want to watch like the radar version of that go to uh, nature is metal <laughs> and yes. it's horrifying <laughs> absolutely I, horrifying i follow nature is metal on um on reddit it's a subreddit as well and it mm. is intense it's intense yeah but also like there's something there's something deeply grounding to just facing nature and its reality you know how often do you exactly you hear as a christian well you know all nature speaks of god and his glories and his goodness and you're like have you ever seen like nature ever like have you watched any nature documentaries this shit is crazy like everything's getting torn <laughs> up like animals have evolved to like have like hooks on their penises so they can rape the, the other like you know sex i mean like, it's like this doesn't seem to display the glories of god in the way that i was For told sure. it should you know it's a very selective way of seeing nature <laughs> no you're right and, and also like the birds are the worst <laughs> they yeah, really yeah. Are. like they are assholes <laughs> so funny that's really funny. My grandfather had um, a gray parrot, um, and I think he inherited it from a friend who died, and uh, yeah. his wife did not want it. 
And oh. this gray parrot like tormented his wife. Like it would mock yeah. her. It would like do all sorts of pranks on her and stuff. Like it would, it would mm-hmm. like perfectly impersonate the phone ring. And then it would impersonate my grandpa and he would, and, and it would literally oh. be like, hello. Yeah. Okay. And it'd be like, Jan, it's for you. And so she'd come running through to the phone and she'd just see this parrot just sitting in the room and it would go. And it's like, I'm like, this is amazing, yeah. but also kind of a dick. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Birds, birds are, are, they are, they are highly emotional creatures mm. and they're very social and they get attached. And then the more attached they get to different people, the more unattached they also get to others. Oh, really? So they have a limited, yeah. they're like me. I have a very limited capacity. Once I've got a few really close friends, I'm like, the rest of you are dead to me, you know? Right. <laughs> and I, th- I think it's also like, like flock instincts. Like, like Kiwi I, is yeah. like, we're, we're his flock. And he's skeptical of other people, but he's normally pretty cool. But there are some birds like, hey, we don't know you. Get the hell out. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Birds, man. I, I, I just... <clears throat> Because the thing is, to me, I see birds and I, I see something that is so far removed from me. You know what I mean? Like you see like a, a chimp or something and it's showing different traits of intelligence and emotion. And you're like, okay, cool. Got it. It kind of looks like me. I can, I'm a kind of okay with that. Dogs, right. even on some level, I'm like, there's some form I can anthropomorphize you quite easily. But then you look at really um, intelligent <clears throat> birds and you're like, like, you know, like the COVIDs, like, you know, like, the, what, no, not called, um, cor- Corvids, is it? The ravens and crows and, mm-hmm. is that what they're called? Is that the branch? I, of, I, I don't, know. don't know terribly there much about this. So there you go. Stuff. But like, you look <coughs> at it and you're like, whoa, these things are really intelligent. And yet they're so far removed from what I associate intelligence emotions i I find it hard to anthropomorphize a bird um it's really really weird it's like um the story of is it alex the parrot the the only animal that's ever asked um uh, an existential question um so it asked like what color am i um of its owner um look that up it's it's crazy there's a really good documentary about alex the parrot somewhere um but this parrot like got depressed and like it, it was full on like its owner like they took the owner away from it because they didn't like the the mm. course of research that she was moving it in and there was funding issues so they just removed her and like the parrot got really depressed and like was really yeah. upset and um and it's really really sad story it, it died really young and stuff and they're not really <laughs> overly sure why and like but like the person you, kills you, you look at it and you're like i wouldn't have pegged the parrot to have been the only animal so far that we've gathered um has asked a question about itself you know right. like who like something existential of like what color am i you know it's they're teaching it what color is that brick and it's like green and that's blue and you know mm-hmm. and it can do shapes or whatever but then for it to go and what color am i like <laughs> that's like whoa hold on what's going on right now and a lot of experts question whether it actually did ask that and you know like if that was yeah. what it meant and there's all kinds of layers to that but yeah, a lot of times they just like mimic stuff and they like exactly so a, a lot of times a, a parrot will just be like just mimic what you're saying um sometimes african grays some of the, the one that your grandparents mm-hmm. have um like they actually know what they're saying like they yeah. actually have the intelligence of a five-year-old so it's, it's kind of fascinating yeah no it's 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 yeah, a weird world, a weird, weird world. So, well, we, we started, <laughs> by the way. That's that's the intro to this uh, podcast. So, Cheers. Uh, welcome to the Bird Show. Uh, but uh, 
why don't you give kind of a rough overview of who you are? So, um, so okay. you run the Instagram account Heretical Theology, right. um, which you changed the name of recently, right? Is it God? God? No, so the, the the handle and username, I, I don't know. Heretical Theology has always been Heretical Theology. Okay. I, my, my name on there was uh, Doubt Everything. Okay. And because right, I was yeah. I was really skeptical and uh, just about everything. And there was a, uh, a um, Dale Martin. He's the uh, Yale professor uh, for New Testament studies. And okay. he, in his intro class, halfway through the course, which is on Yale Open Courses, says that, uh, hey, uh, I can't remember what the Latin is, but he, he taught the Latin. No, I mean, this, I can't remember. But basically, it means doubt everything. And so I, that kind of stuck with me. I really liked that. And then my page kind of, became less skeptical and I think it confused a lot of people. And so I came up with kind of a, a punny name to let people know that, Hey, I'm actually will, and I'm not God's will. Nice. Know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. So that's how I know you is, is mm-hmm. that kind of the space that you're operating right now? Like mostly like what you're kind of putting out on the internet is through your Instagram account or are you, are you doing other things? Yeah. It's, it's mostly just Instagram. It's easy. <laughs> Yeah, as far as like as far as um, getting uh, a voice heard and getting information out there and kind of collecting a a very broad range of people with less trauma, like Facebook might offer, Mm -hmm. um, and just ease of access. Instagram is is great. Its algorithms are pretty simple, and it's uh, relatively speaking, it's relatively simple, and it's like I said, it's it's catchy, it's easy. I like it. Yeah, I do have a Facebook page. I, I but I don't really use it. I Basically, whoever I post on Instagram just goes straight to that page. That's what I do as well. Check yeah. it occasionally and then regret checking it. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so how did you get to... Um, so in my experience, people that are usually posting about this kind of stuff um, are generally not kind of coming out of a vacuum and going, I know, I'm going to talk about faith, Christianity, God, um, having not experienced any of those kind of like worlds and things so i'm presuming you have come from some form of christian background of some sort is, yeah. that, is that fair to say yeah. how did you mm-hmm. get from wherever you were to where you are today like what, what does that look like for you well i was born in 1985 okay i'm, just kidding. I'm not gonna do that <laughs> you're, you're, you're a year late you're a year late i was born in 1984 so oh there you go fantastic um so I, I was raised methodist as a child um parents are pretty cool then I, at my high school, middle school, there was a church that used a lecture hall for their church services. I got really interested in it. Um, they had free food, so why not? And then they taught the Bible. I actually taught the Bible. I'm like, oh, this is kind of fascinating. And they were doing some end time stuff, which I found really fascinating as a middle schooler. And I uh, kind of got sucked into that. Turns out they were a cult, which I didn't find out until like... <laughs> Two years ago. <laughs> wow. So that's yeah. quite a while you were in the midst of that then. Yeah. So, so we were, uh, so there's, there's three churches in my history. There's, there's a Methodist church, which was just religion, whatever. Then there was like the culture. That was like the meat and potatoes of my, of my, um, my faith. Right. And I was there from when I was 14. And then we moved down here to Florida. in uh, oh crap, what year was it? Um, I'm having a brain fart now. 2015, sorry. So five years okay. ago, 2014. And then we started going to a more mainstream mega church, essentially. Okay. Which were, of course, evil to the cult church. <laughs> sure. 
So yeah. what what was it um what was it that drew you into kind of this kind of cultish kind of environment like I didn't think it was a cult obviously uh, no sure. one, no one actually joins a cult thinking it's actually a cult no um a few it, it was just like the way they actually taught the bible and I'm like wow okay this makes sense we should actually know this thing and you no know, they were pretty typical evangelical christianity um they were non-nominational but they were very similar to Southern Baptists. Um, not sure if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not quite Calvinist, not quite Reformed. So in that sense, they're a little bit different than Southern, ba- Southern Baptists. But um, but they, in hindsight, so every, everything's going to be looking at from hindsight. In hindsight, they essentially worship the Bible itself. It was like the fourth part of the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't really realize that until later on. But, you know, it was very militaristic in the way that they presented it the the pastor was like this is what the bible says and, and they're kind of clever like we're going to interpret the bible with the bible so this isn't my interpretation this is i'm going to interpret this verse with this verse so we know it's right and so of course any any email like well you're still interpreting the verses you so yeah, yeah yeah but most people in that world don't see that at all right you don't see it you're like well, right. yeah that makes sense yeah the bible can interpret the bible and well, that's foolproof. And yeah, I guess it must be right then. Like it, it's, it's so obvious once you step back, but once you're in mm. the midst of that, like you just can't see um, the logical kind of fallacy within that kind of thinking. Yeah. And, and it is it's, very attractive and, as well because it feels very foolproof or very kind of like certain. Right. No, and, and certainty is, is something that I try to hit on a lot on my pages. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of Christians, they, they feel like they have to know that they know that they know, which was something that my church would say, um, the cult church would say. And I'm, and, and in hindsight, I'm like, that's, that's not faith. That's, that is certainty. And certainty mm. and faith cannot coexist. Um, I don't think they can coexist. I, I think that's a fallacy. Some people may want to argue with me on that, and that's, that's great. Um, I was actually on Bart Ehrman's blog page and he had a critic of his come and actually ask questions. And so it was really cool of Ehrman to do that. And so we got to ask him questions and I was like, well, you seem like you're really certain about your faith. How do you determine certainty from, like, how do, how do you separate that? And he actually had a really good response. And I, as a, as an apologist, I was really kind of impressive what he said and he's like well i want to say i'm confident or uh, i'm i'm uh i'm certain he said i'm confident in it. so i may have been using both those words earlier but yeah so christians can say they have a strong confidence in their faith but when they try to prove things especially things like biblical inerrancy or young art creationists in which i was both um it it kind of defeats the purpose of what i think jesus was trying to teach mm. if that makes sense yeah, yeah yeah no that makes sense for sure so you kind of like were drawn to this community that were really passionate about the scriptures and were mm-hmm. using the scriptures and, and finding clear kind of like interpretations of the scriptures right. kind of, do you feel that that was something that you were missing beforehand? Like, why do you think that jumped out at you? Is like, Oh yeah, I love this. Like, yeah. Was um, I, I think I liked the certainty. I liked having the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, the, the pastor was very well read. Um, at least I thought he was, you know, when you're in middle school or any adult, it's kind of can come off like someone that they actually know their stuff. Sure. Um, they were very, I, I think the other issue was, is that they're very like-minded. Like I'm, 
it's so one of the things I personally struggle with is I'm, I'm very angsty. I'm very passionate. I'm very motivated, driven. I, I want to find the answers. I need to fix mm-hmm. things. I need to determine yes or no, right or wrong. That's who I am personally. And, and that really resonated with me. And the way they came about doing that was like, oh, yeah, well, duh, this is how I am. So clearly, this is how everyone should be, right? Because we <laughs> should think, and again, this is not how I think now. But no, no, of course. But that <laughs> middle is, school or that high school will. Pretty common kind of like teenage kind of mentality of like, oh, yeah, well, like I figured it out. And I just need to get everyone else to see the world the same way or act the same right. way or whatever. Yeah. And so I, I think that's why. And, you know, I was in there for 15 years. Um, it was it was kind of fascinating because they were like they're very pro homeschool. They're I want to say they're anti-science. Well, OK, they were anti-science because they taught anti-science things. But they're like, you can go to college, but think about it. You know, the world's probably going to be ending within your lifetime. Is that really something that you want to invest your time into mm. what can the world actually teach you? You just be wasting money and time where you could be making disciples. And, and so <laughs> that was kind of frustrating for me. But luckily yeah. my parents were like, no, you're going to get some college. And so <laughs> I got, I got, I got to your, I got a two year degree. That's um, funny. And Did your parents see this as quite a kind of like cultish kind of thing and like, Oh gosh, what's he getting into? So my there, there were some interesting conversations. So one, one interesting situation that happened was, was I met a girl. I, I, I met lots of girls, obviously. <laughs> I was a little bit girl crazy, uh, obsessively, which was kind of counterproductive, counterproductive to my, my spiritual walk. <laughs> but uh, I did meet this one amazing girl, not my wife. So if my wife is watching this, please close your ears. I'm sorry, love. <laughs> <laughs> but she, was, she wasn't even divorced yet, though. She was like in a mm. process of getting divorced but she was cheated on. And so that made it right. Right. Well, my parents had both gone through divorces and I thought divorce was wrong, except mm-hmm. for that one rule. <laughs> and so that's kind of like how legal we were very, I was very legalistic. Yeah, and yeah. so one of my friends from the church kind of like, it, it took a pastor and another pastor to, to put me into a room, but like, you need to end this relationship right now. I'm like, but wait, the Bible says like, wasn't for adultery and then they kind of like well no it's not even with adultery it's like no divorce period and that was the church's stance which was kind of a radical stance even for evangelicals and first pastor didn't have didn't phase me at all second pastor was a little more approachable kind of showed me some things be like you need that initial relationship and i'm like okay i think you're right i need this relationship i ended the relationship with a girl needless to say it probably it went over as well as you can expect (laughs) And, but then my mom was really concerned. She's like, why did you end your relationship? She was really cool and everything. And I'm like, oh, I get to tell my mom I didn't, I ended this relationship with this girl because she was divorced. And of course, my mom has also been divorced. So this mm. is going to go great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a little rough. I'm not going to lie. It put a little trauma, or not trauma, but a little bit of distance between me and my mom. And she's like, well, that's just way too extreme. You know, my mom is a very, she's a mom. She's great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? um she's not very well read um you know she's got a high school education she's really good at raising children and working at home and and doing the whole domestic wife thing not that she lived in that parameter very well but she was a very southern kind of gal and that's just how her life was and so I was Mm. able to out argue with her on every single level even though emotionally and logically she would probably (laughs) have one if she would known how to do it yeah wow so like that that did that 
kind of like that wasn't enough to make you question what was going on though you you were still kind of enough in this that it was like well nope got a clear answer the bible is clearly saying divorce is wrong and so breaking up with girl kind of even to the point where i'm awkwardly confronting my mom um yeah um, like that that but, wasn't but enough for you to verses. go oh, yeah. yeah but there's bible yeah. verses where it's like oh nope there was a path you know mm-hmm. um the uh, you gotta have that radical faith you know the world's gonna hate you you know you're gonna have division between mother and daughter you know or father and son mm. you know jesus even said he came to bring the sword and to bring division so this is gonna happen so i'm thinking like yeah this was a right decision and because these bad things are happening yeah it's, it's such a weird component it's, i mean it's in there in, in, in the majority of religions on some level this um this amazing kind of get out clause isn't it like where it's like oh yeah and when this all kind of falls apart well, that's not your problem, and it's not the problem of this thing. It's because everyone else is wrong, and they just can't see the ultimate truth, or they're not using right. the Bible as their kind of like plumb line, or or whatever it is. Um, exactly. It's it's a you can't lose. You've got this kind of perfect system that's kind of backing you mm-hmm. up on every front. Um, right. It's a very interesting dynamic, and and gets more extreme when you get into kind of cultish kind of like, well, the world's ending. We're going to bunker in even more. <clears throat> um, you know, expecting everyone to persecute you. You know whatever that looks like um can get worse and worse really doesn't it i mean you look at um something like waco or something like that you know how extreme it can become where you kind of are like Mm -hmm. expecting the world to be against you and whatever and i've no doubt when you look at waco there was a lot of elements where they were against them regardless Mm -hmm. or or whatever you know that wasn't a necessary black and white situation regardless of their uh, religiosity or cultistness um but like it it's these reinforced beliefs i guess that is a undercurrent of quite a lot of Christian faiths. This, that we're looking for the world to persecute us, to attack us, to whatever, and therefore we'll read anything that's, you know, pushing back against what we believe. It's just, oh, it's just persecution. It's just the devil. It's demonic. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Um, that's fascinating. So yeah. you existed in this world for 15 years, though. You know, that you, right. day in, day out, it was great. It was fine. Like at what point did you start to kind of like, was it just because you moved to Florida that you moved into something else or was that? So or how were you engaging <laughs> so, with faith over those 15 years? So a little bit of context, like all my Christian friends, thought I was a wild rebellious one. Okay. Mm. All my, all my secular friends, non-Christian friends thought that I was the self-righteous prude. I could never win. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of, that was, that's kind of where I'm at. So I had that dynamic. And so I always, my, my youth leader at the time, he was like, I have a freaking Anakin Skywalker on my hands right here. And he was talking about me because I'm constantly rebelling against authority. I constantly, it was questioning things like, well, this doesn't make sense. Or mm-hmm. I get into sword fights as he, as he would call it with other Christians and, you know, debating apologetics and why I'm right, they're wrong. And he got really frustrated with, it. he had a lot of patience with me. And so he literally would compare me to get to a young Anakin Skywalker. And I, I guess in a sense, that was kind of prophetic in the sense that I did end up <laughs> going to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So Really random nerd note, episode three is still one of my favorite uh, Star Wars episodes. I know that's going to be highly controversial. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and movie element wise, I know it's not amazing, but I just, I, but I could really, really relate to that movie. So, sure. Yeah. Like I was being torn up and it's like constantly and, 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 you know, 
with how Anakin, I'm sorry, this is going, not answering your question also, I apologize. No, it's fine, it's good. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good picture though. So if you want to give it like a, a visualization, like seeing how Anakin went to the dark side was a lot how I deconverted. There, there, there's a lot of, lot of elements there. And to this day, I, I will still tell you that if I had to choose between being a Jedi or being a Sith, I would choose a Sith every single time. Mm. Every single time. I don't agree with everything the Sith do, obviously, because, you know, killing people and, and things like that is kind of a bad thing. But Jedi, on the other hand, aren't perfect either. And I think Christianity thinks that they, I know that's a huge generalization. They all think that, everyone thinks that they're right. Mm-hmm. And they and they all think that well we have some things wrong with this but generally we're we're good, and it was within those holes within that wiggle room that I started realizing that there there might be some more to this, and my wife actually had a lot to do with my my deconversion. Oh, wow. So again, going back there with Padme with with Anakin mm-hmm. is my my wife was like there there's just she was not clicking she she was done with the church i can't exactly remember why the details but she was having a hard time connecting with people right it was a small church we were a no child family people were killing us when we're gonna have kids newsflash we still don't have kids uh fyi know your name business um <laughs> and she had a master's degree in chemistry most of the people there have like, the highest education there was a four-year degree and that was i think someone had that in, in the course uh, Bible and some sort of Bible studies, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, college level education, and so she is in for that. And and so I remember going online. This is where I'm still in Ohio, going online and trying to find another church. And of course, knowing me, I'll be like looking at all their doctrines that they have listed to me about sure, a section. Got to check them out. I looked at three dozen churches. There was not a single one within a 15 mile radius or 20 30 mile radius that fit what i would determine to be a legitimate church wow it's a lot of heretics man you're just surrounded i know it's it's crazy right (laughs) um we talked to a pastor about told him we're kind of struggling and we ended up going on a vacation to down here uh, to st august to st augustine um, and then our, our, our goal was to stay in St. Austin for a few days and go down to Daytona for a few days. But we're also coming down here to Melbourne to visit my brother, who was just conveniently enough became a Christian a few years ago. Oh, wow. Hmm. Interesting because he was a Christian and was a Christian. Now he is a Christian again. I'm like, this is fantastic. I want to meet, I want to see this church. My wife was very excited because she thought that this was a potential opportunity, one, to have a good reason to move to Florida because, hello, Disney is amazing. <laughs> and Florida is amazing. She hates the cold winter, but uh, also because she was thinking this might actually be a hope to find a new church. And mm-hmm. I vehemently told her, love, we're going to be here visiting my brother. We're not here to find a new church. I was a complete asshole about it. And I told her straight up, this is how it's going to be. Because <laughs> hello, head of the household here laying down the law. I didn't do right. that. I hardly ever did that. But when, when she kind of pressed on spiritual issues like that, I would definitely be the one to do that. Right. Once, once, again, it was, once really the system happens. was getting uh, potentially in, in jeopardy, like that's yes. a good kind of like one to pull out of the bag occasionally and go, okay, we're drawing right. a line here. Yeah. So, so and, and so in the, whole, so this is still part of my actual Christian testimony. Mm. So the, the, this, the, my, my, my spiritual growth keeps increasing here. So this is 
this is this is the, the best part you have to come <laughs> my wife prayed that night which she's not a spiritual person she's a very logical person she's not an emotional mm-hmm. person and she fully believed god gave her peace and be like okay trust your husband great she had peace about it she's like okay we're not we're not even gonna consider going to this church yeah whoa hey god spoke fantastic we ended up going to the church it was a Mother's Day weekend, and so the head, I had been listening to what the pastor had been talking about for a couple weeks back just so I could be on, in line with him. And he was going through the Bible verse by verse. Hey, thumbs up. That's what you're supposed yeah, to yeah. do. Ex- expositorial teaching. Excellent. That's a plus one for the church. But it's also a mega church. My old church was like 120 people. Right. Okay. This church had 10,000. Oh, over wow. three campuses and three whatever. So I'm, and my brother is showing it off to me. Oh, check this out. This is the gymnasium. This is the sanctuary. This is the other sanctuary. This is the third sanctuary. I'm like, cool. Awesome. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> so we, we get to the sermon and it's not even about what the head pastor was talking about for the last several weeks. It was like one of those special guests. One-off. Welcome kinda, sermons. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it'll be a nice little sermon. I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll get some stuff out of it. And I was not at all going to ask about visiting another church. Mm. I just wasn't. I was not going to go out of my way to say, hey, uh, what about this or that? Because that would be me putting forth my effort to have God speak in sense. In other words, if if God wants me to make me have a a church switch, he's going to make it abundantly clear. It's not going to be on any effort of mine. Mm. So guess what happens? I have about three, four, five doctrinal issues in the back of my head that absolutely have to be answered before I even consider going to a different church. 10 minutes in, answer one, boof, out of nowhere. Pastor just rambles it off. I'm like, whoa. 15 minutes in, the sermon was like four, 10 minutes. Another one gets answered. And he, he ends up going, not even just answering all these questions that I would have to have to be answered. But he goes in like specific details about it. And then even gives me a different perspective that I had, I I will, who is Bible thumping will here, hadn't considered before. I'm like, wow. Oh shit. <laughs> what is happening? And I, I start, I'm like, I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh God. Literally, oh God, what the hell is happening? Yeah, yeah. Without the hell. And so <laughs> I start praying. I'm like, God, what are you trying to tell him? He's like, shut up and listen. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I keep on listening and if he just keeps the pastor just keeps on going on and on with all these great points. I'm like, mm. I just get this piece and I, I'm terrified. I'm actually terrified because my church up in Ohio, the cult had a huge church split. It was disastrous. It was nasty. It was like just every single person having a divorce with each other. So think of like a, a marital divorce with like 50 people. Wow heartbreaking and i'm like they're just gonna think i'm just leaving the church again just like those heretics i'm like god what how can i these are my friends this is my family he's like who do you trust more oh no he says who i I hear this voice in my head and he's like who do you fear more and clearly the issue was do you fear them or do you fear me i'm like Mm -hmm. i literally threw up my hands in the middle of the service really awkwardly (laughs) it was it was crazy it was not crazy funny i guess it's like the person having a conversation in the corner by themselves and everyone's like what is happening right now (laughs) <laughs> I so I pull out my phone. I, I type in, in a text. I actually saying I just type it in, in in my phone. I'm like, I think God might be calling us to this church. Dot, dot, dot. I show it to Stephanie, and she just looks at it. She's got a big old smirk on her face, nice. and that's it. 
So we talked to a pastor over there and he's like, yeah, absolutely. God might be calling you to our church, but are you sure? I'm like, I think so. And the next thing he does, he looks straight to my wife. Doesn't ask me. He looks straight to my wife and says, what do you think? I'm like, that's cool. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, maybe. And so that was it. That was in, uh, at the end, so Mother's Day, so I was in May, and six months later, we quit our jobs. We had some very awkward conversations with our church. There wasn't much of a send-off. They just kind of like, well, bye. They didn't even say anything. We'd been here for 15 years, wow. no, no farewell or anything like that, nothing. Wow. And that was kind of heartbreaking. Like, they just yeah. didn't really care. And like, okay. This is it. And then some people are like, yeah, this is your last weekend here, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, kind of is. Wow. How so involved that, that that church? Was there a leadership structure there and things like that? Were you, had you they did, kind of get involved they, with that sort of thing? Or? Uh, at, at the old church or the... Yeah, the old church that you were leaving. No, um, I was way too radical and rebellious to, mm. to be in it. Again, they already had three pastors and it was a church of 100 people. Right. So yeah. that alone was already kind of odd. They do, they do lots of weird stuff, <laughs> but, um, wow. So we, so we, how did they perceive moving. you going? Like, was there, was there a narrative behind that of like, oh, you're being rebellious or you're leaving us in a negative way? Or was, was there just a like, okay, cool. That's, that's fine. I still don't know, to be honest. Right. I don't talk to most of the people there anymore now, now that I'm a full-on atheist. Sure. <laughs> um, the, the whole Trump thing caused a lot of turmoil between me and mm-hmm. them. And they're probably like, he's in Ohio or they're in Ohio. He's in Florida. Why would I even care about this guy anymore? And so sure. that, that alone killed a lot of relationships Yeah, because I did not support God's chosen uh, president. Okay. <laughs> and so we ended up quitting. So, so we ended up quitting our, both our job. I had, I had a, a business, a photography business. I was starting to get repeat business that, that I ended. Stephanie, my wife had two jobs. We quit both those jobs and moved to Florida jobless. Wow. Because we believe God had called us to this church. It's crazy, isn't it? That's, I a, love so it. I love that's it. a thousand miles. We it's literally crazy. moved a thousand miles to, because we felt God called us. And so th- this is what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant for, for a hot second here, dude. So Good. this is what fucking pisses me off. When Christians say you are not a true Christian, mm. okay, yeah, Great. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You I must have just make you feel done this for fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I quit my job. I jeopardized everything. I moved the country, uh, across the country to pretend to be a Christian so you'd be more convinced. Now, you know, like, yeah. of course not. You're, people are passionate about what they believe. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's that's intense, though. I mean, like, uh, I, I I did a similar thing of like giving up my business i ran a company walked away moved to mm-hmm. california from scotland like I, i've done that intense thing and, and it's amazing it's exhilarating it's it's you feel i'm doing what god wants me to do it's amazing but it's a big deal it's not like yeah it's not a small deal you know it's, it's scary it's just intense mm-hmm. like you you're going out there you don't know anyone or maybe you know a few people you got your brother or whatever but you know i'm gonna have to make new friends i'm gonna have to try yeah. and build something from scratch like that's intense this is really yeah. intense and there's a grieving as well of losing what you did have especially if they're kind of like eh, we don't care see you like right. that's grieving the loss of a community of 15 years you know it's, this is that's a lot to be going through for sure it was it was a lot <clears throat> and it was I, it was it was just straight up painful and then it was even more painful when they abandoned me essentially and i'm like <sighs> It's there, there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of build up and a lot of teardown, not just with my faith, but socially. 
yeah how was was this church that you were part of very community driven orientated yes yeah. i was at church anywhere from three to five days a week and i and i actually when i, when I moved to i mean when i moved to the inner city because so my because because i actually married my wife when she was still in college okay um and so we moved to the inner city um so that she can keep on going to school and stuff. And so it was like a 45 minute drive to get to our church. Wow. Yeah. And we we're out in rural Ohio. And um, so, yeah, it was very community driven. They had, they, they started having a, a riding arena for children who have, um, it's, it's called hypotherapy. They use horses to help kids who are paralyzed and they do it completely for free. Humanitarily, like that's awesome. Like it's mm, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. But, but the catch is like, Hey, they have to listen to our Bible studies. And they straight up teach literally mentally handicapped children who are five years old that, hey, they're going to hell if they're not saved. And the world is also 6,000 years old. And you have to believe this, 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 and this. And they're teaching children this. It's wild. And they're like, and there's, there's, there's been families and parents who have straight at home, we're not bringing your ch- our children here anymore. And then they end up going to a place that costs $1,000 a day or whatever for this, or not a day, but it's very expensive. Yeah. And our pastor is on the podium saying, I can't believe that they would do this, that they would reject such free care. Like, that's how much they love the world. And I'm like, mm. no, I don't think that's it. <laughs> like, it's more, that's how dangerous what you're doing is. Like, it makes you think of, you know, it's become a thing now in America. Thankfully, it took a while in America for conversion therapy to be completely made illegal. I think across the board, federally, that's kind of positioned and statewide, some states have kind of like allows uh, things it's to definitely kind of... still happening like yeah oh it happens oh yeah and the the, the labels <clears throat> change and whatever i mean like i, I i'm yeah. very aware of churches i've been affiliated with are still running things and i've yeah had spoken out yeah. about some of that stuff so it, but the the point being that like the government is recognizing hey this stuff that you're doing is right. mentally very dangerous you're creating mental health issues you're you're boosting suicide rates all sorts of different things it does make me wonder if 20 30 40 years from now we're going to start seeing um some form of like um step in from the government which the church is going to love this right going hey like teaching mentally handicapped like you know differently abled children that aren't really able to conceptually grasp this stuff even a even a um uh, a neurotypically kind of like minded child mm-hmm. is not in the place to be told hey you're gonna burn forever for eternity think of the longest time you can think of now times that by billions and billions you're you're gonna burn in your own fat for that long if you don't believe this thing like that's traumatizing i deal with exactly. people day in day out that have that trauma you know and they're mm-hmm. adults now um and it does make me wonder like how long is it going to be before people are recognizing that and that's becoming a normative thing that the government's going to have to step in and go, you can't provide a service for free just as an excuse for you to traumatize people, <laughs> like, which is well, on I think some the, level what's I think, happening. <clears throat> Not how they the see mask, it, obviously. I think the face mask issue right now is a yeah. really telling situation on how that's going to play out. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not sure. Sure. I'm not sure if you, if you follow it, but I mean, it, it's... It's, it's, it's kind of, a, I, I don't, I, I can't associate myself with it anymore just because it's, it's so triggering and just frustrating seeing church. We're not going to wear our face mask because the government tells us to. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's wild. It, and yeah, it's, it's a really surreal thing because on some level, 
I mean, the point of wearing a face mask is a selfless thing. It's not about you. It's about other people. Um, exactly. And, and there could not be a more, uh, a, there's no Christian ethic deeper than loving mm-hmm. other people and laying down your own life for other people. That's, that's, that's the core of, of Christianity. Um, and figure, yet, right? the, the con- <laughs> that's so at conflict with the core of Americanity, which is individualism, exceptionalism, me, 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 me. And so mm-hmm. you see this like conflating this clash of Christianity and Americanity and one side wins nine times out of 10 in the evangelical church, which is okay. No more selflessness, no more laying down our lives for our neighbors, no more loving our neighbors. We love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. We have our way first. And then if there's any leftovers and, and that's what you're seeing in the mask crisis is is fascinating. And it's why you see in other cultures, like Asian cultures, they wear their masks all the time, but Mm -hmm. it's because in Asian culture, the culture is we are part of a grand society and how dare I go out sick and perf- and potentially jeopardize someone right. else's fa- ha- faith, uh, health? Um, mm-hmm. That's just the norm. So that's why they were doing that long before uh, this pandemic. You know, and a few other pandemics as well. But um, it's just fascinating to see this, like that American threads that that the average American is more selfless than the average American Christian. <laughs> it's like how has Christianity become like the 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 definition of selfishness? Like it's such a bizarre component. Um, very, very bizarre. Even if you're like, I'm yeah. not sure this is working, put a mask on. That's fine. It's not a big deal. Who cares? Right. You know what I mean? But that that's not you can't even you've gotta like go, well, no, no, no. Someone's telling me to do something. And 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 it's the narrative of governments are evil, the world is evil, you know, science is evil. Like we've got to have these enemies to fight um in this form well of it's a precursor to the market of beasts didn't you know that exactly wow and they're some of them are wearing them on their foreheads so who knows <laughs> yeah that's funny that was great yeah, it's crazy i go into so many supermarkets and this is in the uk like we, we've got our own shit going on for sure um but the amount of people in supermarkets it's the laws if you're in a public um place you have to wear a mask um mm-hmm. but they're like I don't know if it's a protest or whatever, but like people wearing a mask, but like, you know, up on their heads or on their chin. And I'm like, you are wearing your mask, but you do realize that's not working. right? <laughs> like, I'm like, are we stupid? Are we protesting? I'm not sure what's happening right now. That's um, actually pretty great. I love that. Or just that's over funny. the mouth is always a funny one as well, you know? And it's just like, right. hmm, okay. That's not how that works. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's on the way. It's 50%, I guess, but... <laughs> right yeah no it's, it's a fascinating thing um that kind of component i can't remember how we got onto that but um <laughs> oh my bad <laughs> yeah. no no no. I, this is that this is this podcast summed up is uh constantly derailing um right. i just had a chat earlier today with another guy on the podcast and he works um for a car manufacturer up in detroit and he works in the tech side of like the mm-hmm. autonomous vehicles and stuff and we ended up talking for like 25 minutes of the podcast about technology you know automated cars you know where are we going i could i could I, talk about yeah. that stuff for a while absolutely too. so i just that, that is this podcast we go where it goes and that's okay so yeah <laughs> it's all good right um, no okay. it's, it's it's funny that you talk about that though because like like i've been i've been soaking up so much like science stuff lately mm. and it's funny like listen to uh, michu kaku like he's been great and like he's all about like becoming a like a stage one stage two civilization i'm like holy holy crap like he's right like he absolutely wants to create a 
one world order like this is fantastic science supports revelation oh my god this is gonna be terrible like <laughs> this is not gonna go down well with nope. a lot of christians <laughs> nope <laughs> oh it's so funny like i i remember someone was talking about um you know we have contests i don't know if you do in, in america i think you do through apple pay and stuff they've kind of pushed that forward but contactless payments you know like you know using mm -hmm. um near fields um communication and stuff like that's just everywhere in europe you don't use cards anymore or, you know like it's interesting like crazy we still so, use cash. If, you, if you use a card you touch it or something and yeah exactly yeah. But i go to america and i'm like i have to sign and then show you my drivers like what is this this is like the 1800s i'm like what's happening um it was such a culture shock to me um anyway awesome. um it's just funny because we're like and then there's people that have actually just implanted the the chips in their hands so they can just wave their hand over the machines and pay it's just quicker and they're like oh sure it's a chip i'll put it in my hands i can pull it out and i'm like that sounds amazing but there's an evangelical part in the back of my brain going don't put chips in yourself but we're there like, people are doing that and i'm like god people are not gonna like this people i mean it's just a chip it's a near field it's not like tracking you it's not gps it's not like you know okay. like but it's it's something you put in your head to pay or whatever and i'm like oh you know it's gonna it's gonna go down badly people are gonna get upset uh, it's just oh. further um promoting the idea that europe is definitely falling off the end of the uh the abyss into the into satan's okay. uh suckling on satan's teeth at this point probably um but that's uh, crazy that people are actually doing that though like that's yeah. i thought you were joking at first no no that's that's a thing people are, but it's a whole movement i read a national geographic article about this a couple of years ago of people um implanting different cybernetic kind of components and um there was one person that in, implanted something that enhanced their smell um, because they, I think it was something to do with they didn't have a proper sense of smell, it had been damaged or whatever, and they'd implanted this thing. But it allowed them to smell in like ways that they'd never been able to smell as a human. And it was like insanely specific. And like, so they could pick up little scents in a room. And so they could tell that you had walked in the room when no one else would, because they knew like by micro particles in the air, like your smell. And they could ID that so easily. And I'm like, that's cool. Also terrifying if you're walking down the street right. and you've stepped in dog shit or something. You know what I mean? Like that could go badly. Um, right. But it's fascinating these kind of like, yeah. where we're heading there. We are heading there where people on technology are going to become more and more interlinked, right? You look at bionic arms or anyway. Um, it's no, that's actually really cool. I read a, uh, actually read a book called Amped. I can't remember his name. I think his first name is Daniel. But if you look, look up just Amped on Goodreads or something, and it's actually about that. Like it's like these little, uh, microchips whatever enhancements that go into your brain and they just basically make you a superhuman and, and does mm. stuff like that like so wow okay that's great we are we are so close the guy i was just talking to like he was like talking about like back in the day you go back to the 60s or whatever and sci-fi was just this like crazy wild like let's dream these are crazy ideas and now today you turn on the average sci-fi and you're like yeah okay i reckon we'll get there like it's very rarely do I see things that I'm like, that's never gonna happen. Maybe like you know some sort of like warp speed or I don't know. But like most things, I'm like, yeah, cool, yeah. Like uh, you, most futuristic kind of um, movies have like automated cars driving everywhere, and I'm like, well, yeah, obviously we'll be there in like mm -hmm. ten years probably. Um, it's just really crazy how like much that gap has kind of closed. Um, and and yeah, I, a lot of Christians are terrified of that. I'm excited, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, a lot of Christians that is. Uh, for whatever reason, the narrative they've created is that that is the end times, that is evil, that is mm -hmm. scary. Um, I think it's just it's progression, and Christians are scared of moving forwards because they, uh, not all Christians, to be fair, but most Christians have 
because of the way they interpret the bible and read the bible they've set a goal the the goal of christianity is in the past mm-hmm. and so any progression forward is just a move right. further and further away from the past which is really where they're trying to bring society is can we move backwards can we go back to woman as property gays get stoned whatever i don't know <laughs> um yeah it's crazy really crazy a little bit yeah for sure yeah. and even just saying the word progressive is very triggering for a lot of evangelical Christians. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's a really scary, I was just on a podcast with someone, um, God is great, Brenda. I can't remember her name actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, um, and the title of it was, uh, what the fuck is progressive Christianity? And, and we were talking about progressive Christianity, which is funny because I'm not a progressive Christian. I'm actually quite vocal against progressive Christianity. A lot of time, I think it's very helpful for some people. That's where they land and It's great. Um, and so it's fine for our audience, which are progressive Christians mostly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating just seeing this hundred. She's got like a huge following. She's like a hundred thousand people on YouTube and it's massive. And so like in about two minutes after posting it, she's got like more comments than I've got on every post I've ever put on YouTube, you know, and, and I'm just reading yeah. through and so many are like very positive, obviously. Um, but so many are like progressive Christianity is the antichrist or progressive Christianity is going to destroy the world. And you guys are heretics. And I'm like, wow like you're fighting with yourself here like the the, the issue you have if, if your issue is with me i'm not even a progressive christian dude like do you know what i mean like you have no idea how dangerous i am if you think that's dangerous right it's fascinating no and, and a year and a half ago i would have been one of the people commenting saying those exact same things that's crazy it's just wild so keep keep going with your story because because I, I i'm happy to go on these derails because i love no, them fine. but i i want to make sure we at least by the end of it kind of um, yeah. figure out who is Will Thorpe and where, how did he get here? Um, yeah. so, so you are now in Florida, you're settling mm-hmm. in, you're going along to this mega church. What kind of church was it? Was it, was it kind of so it on brand a, similar to your cult? Not like, I'm not no. saying it was a cult, but similar to, not at all, because no, I'm like, not at all. Surely you, you, you policed this a bit. You read through the statement of faith. You kind of were like, mm-hmm. well, who are these guys? It must've passed on some level. They were, they were, so the, the, they kind of, so they were a Calvary Chapel uh, denomination, okay. um, which they don't claim to be denomination, but they're a denomination. <laughs> they're they're they have five five points, not Calvinist points, but just five very generic things that you must subscribe to to be a Calvary Chapel, um, and that's it. I don't remember what those five are. Five things are. I, I used to. I don't remember anymore. Um, but one thing that really de-radicalized me was the difference between what they call an open hand issue and a closed fisted issue. Mm. So at my old church, every single thing was a tight gripped issue. You must believe A through Z, one through 10, all the sub points, everything. And basically the, the Calvary Chapel church basically taught me to, to freak the hell or uh, calm the fuck down. Just like, Hey, not everything is a closed fisted issue. We can disagree and have some wiggle room on some things. That was so helpful. Wow. <laughs> Even just for me as a, as a personality yeah. trait, like, cause that's, I mean, I'm still incredibly angsty. Like I get, I mean, I have like the, the, the stereotypical uh, white male uh, sense of ego and security. Like that's me. I'm sorry. I hate to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the painful truth. truth yeah it's like it's, yes i'm I mean, white and fragile yes <laughs> i mean 
I, I blame, I was also in the military. So I blame the military for a lot of that because they taught like, mm. you must be mentally tough. You must be uh, mentally strong, physically strong. You know, you see an enemy, you destroy the enemy. That's, that's the mentality yeah. that we have. Like there is an authority structure. So the military also probably had a lot to do with my, my cult background. Now mm. I'm thinking about it. Um, and so we're, we're, so it's now Christmas time, uh, in 2014, 2015. And I do, I'm going door to door trying to find a job. Um, I eventually find a UPS store that their, their graphic designer literally just put in there to two weeks notice. And I'm like, great, fantastic. I, I will take this graphic design job working 10 hours a week at, or no, 20 hours a week at 10, $10 an hour. Wow. That was all I had. And so this was a funny thing. Like, like I actually made a trip down here before we moved because I was, I'm, I'm big in networking shaking hands mm. and meeting people. I probably passed out a hundred resumes, met 50 people, had a couple opportunities, not a single one of them played out. Wow. I was really hoping that God would give me a job before we moved down here. That didn't happen. So we still moved down here. I did find a very horrible, no benefits, not kind of crappy hour. Okay. Pay job. Um, I was actually very happy with $10 an hour. Yeah, and no, my, absolutely. Once, I tried, once you've done a while at no dollars an hour, that is a big jump. <laughs> yes, but still, that's, that ended up being $200 a week. Right, it's like, not much That's not... Time. Especially in taxes. America where, yeah, exactly, you've got to cover a lot of mm-hmm. things that... Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So my brother, my, my brother worked for a company, a corporation called Harris, and they are a, a communications contractor for the government. And he, you know, he, he was an Air Force uh, uh, officer. So he, was, he did a lot of liaison stuff with the, the government and with civilians. And so that he got, he got, he, he does like a six figure job doing multi million dollar contracts. And so he sent me an email saying, hey, there's this one department at Harris that it kind of sounds like it's right up your alley. They analyze satellite imagery. I'm thinking like, I can't get a job at Harris. I got a two-year degree. Like what, what's going on here? I, he kind of coached me on how to make a resume for it. And I, I put it in, I am pretty sure someone owed him a favor. And within a month I had a new job working at 40 hours a week, full benefits. Nice. God provided, right? Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> I, have, I had to go through this shit first and just trust him. It's amazing how we, um, how we, it is how prayer works. It's how everyone works, right? We 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 see the positive and we and it confirms. We don't see the negative um, mm-hmm. to disprove. You know, it, it's right. it's incredible, right? God healed that person, but he didn't heal the other five people I prayed for. But God heals, right. and it's like, well, maybe. I mean, that person did get healed or whatever, so that's great. So yeah, maybe mm-hmm. you got a job. That's good. But given the randomness and how this didn't pan out hundreds of times, could it be? that your bro greased some wheels somewhere for you or right. whatever, you know, like, yeah. um, and who knows, and maybe they thought that resume that. was like sick. <clears throat> I don't know. Like it sounds like you've had a colorful past. Like maybe it, it was like, they were like, this guy sounds great. Uh, the but the interview was weird. Like with, <laughs> with, because like, I'm like, got my suit on everything else. Let's do this. I'm like, oh, please God, I need this job. I cannot work in the UPS store any longer. Right. Like, and I even told the, my manager, he was really shady too. I'm like, Hey, by the way, I got an interview over here at Harris. I'm just being completely transparent and upfront with you. And, and, and his face just like went white because I was essentially, he did not know how to run the graphic design side of things. Yeah. And, and, and sure enough, I, I, at the interview, it wasn't even an interview. They're like, are you sure you want this job? I'm like, 
yes like why would i not want this job that's so funny <laughs> that's such a sketchy way to start you know so are you sure you want to do this you're like whoa what am i going into here <laughs> so the um it's, it's in a secured vault it, um it's working on classified material for the government um so some anti-war people may not particularly mm-hmm. care that that i do this particular job um but it's in a vault it's i come in i work 10 hours a day i sit at a computer there's no windows i can't really talk about what i do and then i leave it's mm-hmm. it can be very depressing um in fact most people who go there instantly gain like 40 or 50 pounds within the first year wow. and it's it's kind of crazy I, I actually did the opposite i actually was weighing close to 300 pounds uh when we moved down here to florida wow. <laughs> yeah so That's crazy um, it was a little bit crazy. So I've actually lost hundred pounds. And of course I gave all glory to God for that as well. It's amazing. <laughs> had nothing to do with my discipline. He lifting the weights better. for you and running and <laughs> yeah. eating better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Prepping your meals. All right, here you go. Will. I've made you a Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's, that's, that's where your, your mind is. And I, I don't think it's just limited to Christians who are raised in a cult. Like I think when no. people believe in a God, they want to attribute things to that God. And, and I can, I can understand. I can sympathize that. Like you want to believe and you want to, you know, be like you, you want to have happiness with that relationship with your deity. And I get it. Um, you know, we go out of our way to try to find the good things in people. And it, it makes sense that Christians would do the same thing for God. If I can well, I toss them a bell there. We create narratives that give our worlds meaning that help us. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, it's really easy to shit all over any religion. You can pick one and just, you know, go, oh, look at that and look at this or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but they help people in different mm-hmm. seasons of life, in different ways of life, in different cultures, whatever it might be. Um, some of these things can be very helpful. They can be stories in which we frame our worlds in which it does help. And so um, I saw you post, was it on your story? It was about Dave Ramsey or whatever. And I was like, that's really funny. Um, he was saying like, what was he saying? Something is king. Uh, yes, he said, he said, is um, king. And you were yeah. like, isn't Jesus king for you or something? <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious. Um, but like, so like Dave Ramsey, I'm like, do you know what? <clears throat> Because I was in a huge amount of debt when I was younger. I got I started mm-hmm. a business. I did most stuff, but I was just like I spent Same here. a lot more than I made. Uh, I got myself in a stupid place, and then came across Dave Ramsey. Started reading that, and and I was like, gosh, I'm going to start budgeting. I'm going to start tithing. It was one of the things I started doing as well. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to be really more intentional. And and to me, God had led me to Dave Ramsey. God was giving me the strength yes. to look after my finances, to start giving, to stop spending, to you know budget all these different things. And I don't know if I didn't have that framework of God, if I'd actually have kept to the budget, if I'd learned to be generous, if I'd stopped spending, you know, if I could find that kind of meaning behind it that allowed me to get free of that debt. Um, and so in a sense, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's great. If, that, if that's what helped me to get through that, that's, that's wonderful. Um, so I, I think it's a weird thing because at times it can be quite a helpful thing um, if it's what's giving you the drive, if it's if it's a story that gives you the <clears throat> meaning to kind of follow through on that, because I think sometimes without that, 
we don't, I don't know about you. I don't follow through on half. I mean, I know I should be running and working out and eating better. Guess what? I don't do. Um, but you know what? If I genuinely believe God had told me at the beginning of the year, Phil, I want you to do this because I believe you're going to run a marathon and, you know, pull a truck by the end of the year. I'd have probably stuck to it much more. I don't know. Um, and so are you married? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe my wife should just okay. tell me to get there running. <laughs> She's too kind. That's she, my wife is like the only reason why I'm disciplined in anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably quite close to me as well. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. They, they brought Dave Ramsey because so if, if I can just move ahead, just a couple months mm. in my story, um, I had that business. Right. And I was expecting, you know, cause I had some money saved up for taxes as I should and everything else like that. We were hit with a four thousand uh, dollar tax tax bill or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, we have like two thousand in our account right now, <laughs> and conveniently enough, we had just started taking financial peace university wow. taught by Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. <laughs> God yeah. provided again, man. Imagine this, and I just got this job, so we can actually pay off this debt. Oh man, this is great. And so I actually talked with my tax guy. It turns out. He he kind of messed a couple things up, and so now instead of four thousand, it's actually only two thousand. And guess how much money we had in our account? Two thousand dollars. Wow, God's amazing! This is this yeah, is yeah. so great. And my my wife, she again, she's like praise God, like she never does that. Even as a Christian, mm. she would never do that. She did that. <laughs> Everyone does that when you just realize you saved two grand. <laughs> exactly. And, and we You're were the atheists appraising God at saving two grand. Let's face it. Right. <laughs> but Dave Ramsey, I mean, to, I I actually comment. I replied to myself on that post. I'm like, I'm just kind of joking in a way because Dave Ramsey did actually help us out a lot. And he did. We actually taught yeah, yeah. financial peace at our church. Mm. Um, my wife still does the envelope system. Um, I highly recommend it. You know, that yeah. we don't do the tithe thing anymore. But I've also had tithe for the last 25 years of my life, so I'm not doing that anymore right yeah you paid into that system <laughs> a little bit yeah we, we i i've um i've been involved in helping people you know in their finances and different things like that um and dave ramsey stuff to me is absolutely invaluable i don't like his theology obviously that's something that mm-hmm. i don't click with and so i adapt different components or i say like hey like generosity is a great component like that doesn't right. look like you mandating having to give 10% of your salary to a church or anything, but figure out what can you budget to then be generous with and, you know, whatever. And if you decide, actually, I'm going to make sure that 4% of my salary goes to giving away to stuff and I'll find a single mom that needs some help with rent, or I'll buy someone some groceries in front of mm-hmm. me in the queue when they don't have enough to pay for their groceries and they're asking if they can put back some stuff, I'll buy that or whatever. Like teaching people, somebody's like, incredible ways to see money as a gift as 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 an opportunity to bless the world and make the world a better place very christian world bless um but uh i i think like you know these things are, are wonderful and i think it's so easy for us to to do to approach them so black and white right and to go oh dave ramsey ugh, christian ugh, right. worst thing ever and it's like no actually the vast majority <clears throat> of what he's teaching has got nothing to do with christianity it's about right. money it's about practicality it's about helping people that are in dire straits i mean his stories i guess because it's american as well like you guys do poverty like no one else um because of the lack of um safety nets i've i've, I've said this frequently that the worst poverty i've seen in my travels in the world has has been in america in california believe it or not mm-hmm. um and it's because there there just isn't safety nets for some people some people just genuinely go through the rock bottom um and and so reading dave's stories i'm like i just can't even fathom 
the debt that people get into, the the problems that people have, the the issues they suddenly face of like, gosh, I'm going bankrupt because I can't pay for a hospital bill or, right. you know, I'm going to just end up on the streets because there's no housing for me or, or things like that. And I'm just like, wow, like someone like Dave being able to help people out of that situation into a situation where they're in a homeowner and they're whatever, they mm-hmm. own a car outright or whatever it is, which might seem really simple to a lot of people, right? Um, but to a good portion of people, that's a huge thing. That's like a life goal. You know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just not black and white. It just isn't, is it? There's yeah, there's a a very I'm not, I'm not sure how <clears throat> how uh, specific it is just to America, but I know especially within America and, and politics and religion, there's there's a a huge lack of nuance, as as Sam Harris likes to say, and, and mm-hmm. we we can't it's, it's we can we are unable to look at things with a nuanced perspective with that multifaceted perspective. And it's either black or white. It's either yeah. this or that. It's it's very binary. And <clears throat> the more I've grown as a person, it's like, oh, good Lord. Like it's, it's, it's anything but that. And yeah. it, I trying to look at things so nuanced to where the, the left or right, the, the one way or other perspective, it just, I just, I can't even proceed to step into that conversation just because the person and me are so far apart. Yeah. Like we're, we're not really going to get anywhere. And that, that's kind of frustrating for me. And so when I try to tell people about my deconversion, like even just this, this, this sharing a story, it's like, I'm sure any Christian listening to me is like, well, isn't that enough evidence for God? Like, like, how could you say you're an atheist now? I'm like, well, <laughs> things happen. Shit happens. Okay. And, and we look at things from a nuanced perspective. Um, it, it shows you that there's more, more options than being atheist or Christian theists or atheists um like god is gray like she's a, a perfect example of hey guess what evangelical christianity is not the only answer to theism <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely i i think that is it's i mean it's endemic in our society is this either or i mean even when you look at something as simple as politics the fact that we have um in, in most societies on the whole as well like just like two main parties and you've got maybe some other parties or maybe other options but they're considered like wasted votes because of the way the voting system is literally an either yep. or and all or nothing there's not like waiting or any and, and the whole system is built by the two parties really usually um but it's like okay politics how to run a country well okay boil that down just into one tiny segment let's look at the economy or let's look at education or let's look at you know how to collect tax and you know just and distribute that like all these different components literally just one area probably has tens hundreds of thousands of policies shaping it Mm -hmm. and in that you will find a myriad of different opinions on how to do it right any expert in any one field of education or something you'll find tons and tons of opinions but we expect that the republicans over here the democrats over here or in labor and conservative or whichever country you're in there'll be a couple of parties we expect them to go okay i've got a a position and it's entirely we've mapped out all 10 million policies and we've got them all right and then over there they've got all 10 million policies completely wrong right i mean that's that's how we've somehow managed to sum it up 
Um, and of course, we don't really think about that. We don't. We just go, oh, is, are they for or against abortion or whatever the, the big topic for us is. We all kind of boil mm -hmm. it down to five, ten, two, one policy. But if we actually stop and think about it, we go, whoa, that's a lot of policies. We should probably just talk about these things and just see where pe different people are at and then maybe form our own opinions and maybe give and take and recognize there's probably some compromise that's going to have to happen here or there. You can maybe have that on this policy if I really want this policy to shift this way. Like that's a realistic component of how it all is going to work. But our whole society is built over, no, I'm right, they're wrong. Like, and my group is right and every other group is wrong. It's back to that kind of Christian concept, right? Of like, um, we talk about like- Certainty. How many denominations, right? You're looking online and you're like, well, I'm right. And I've got this church that's right. I'll have a look and see if there's any other church. God, every single church in 30 miles is wrong. At some point, you should probably be going, maybe I'm also- wrong and maybe actually no one's right and maybe, maybe we all could learn something but we don't right we do just go well screw these stupid idiots for 30 mile radius gosh i guess i'm gonna have to look at 50 mile radius you know like, we, we just can't possibly conceive that it's not just this black and white dualistic mm -hmm. approach um right. and something like politics is just it makes it even more laughable because it's such a complicated it's kind of you know running an entire nation are you kidding me um like that one person or one group has kind of like got the perfect system completely. And we've let those people lead, right? Democrats mm -hmm. and Republicans have led before. And guess what? It's been shit, right? Yep. <laughs> it might've been a bit better or a bit worse <laughs> or whatever, but on the whole, it wasn't a perfect system. They definitely did not have every policy down, right? Because <laughs> we didn't suddenly have this utopia that just like went on forever. Um, so yeah, it just fascinates me how we do it. We do it in religion, we do it in politics, we do it in mm -hmm. all these kind of things. Um, yeah. Are you a big back. fan of Sam Harris? You mentioned like his kind of nuanced kind of approach and how he talks. Yeah, I, I am. Um, Sam Harris, um, he was, he was one of the dominoes in my, in my deconversion. He was mm. probably one of the primary ones, uh, inadvertently so, um, but he definitely was. Um, I want to say that Trump actually probably was the first domino before. Oh, wow. I, yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of kind of interesting. Like I'm, I try to figure out when did I actually start deconverting, and I honestly think I have to look back at when I first left the the cult church, and when my my previous church, the uh, the Calvary Chapel Church, taught me like there's closed issues and there's open hand issues. That grew me spiritually, I believe, but it, it's kind of like you, it's kind of like a bubble. You just get bigger, bigger, bigger. Then eventually, just kind of evaporates or and explodes. Like I think that is probably a pretty good analogy to where to where I was. Mm. And so I, I'm not sure that, that makes sense, but yeah. So Sam Harris definitely had had an effect. Uh, Joe Rogan had yeah. uh, a big big impact on me because <clears throat> I'm at. So this is work. Work had a big impact on me. I'm usually working for small time businesses. Um, with one or two people working for myself, I don't really work with a lot of people. And so I had an office with a bunch of other people. We start chit-chatting. We, we talk about different things. I learned that non-Christians aren't all horrible. When you get to know them, evil even for even planning the hours death week, of every Christian, and <laughs> right, like even when you get to know them forty hours a week, there there is this this one gal. She was pretty pretty cool, like. She, she was a, uh, a sorority girl from one of the, I think she was a Gator, University of Florida. I think that's Gators. I'm sorry. I don't keep up with colleges and sports. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, she loved Taylor Swift. And, all, all, and she, was, she was a fun-loving 
know, straight yeah. out of college lady. And I, I, I thought she was a hoot, you know, and she was incredibly reasonable. And, you know, she, she kind of like, I, I, we, we were not close. Okay. Well, we, we did talk, we did some of the work stuff and I'm like, wow. Okay. This is what a normal person looks like. like this is great. And I, I would constantly like, I'm a very judgy person. I, I'm very mm. critical of myself. I'm critical of others. Um, I'm, I'm working on that. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm very visual. I, I analyze things. I observe things. And I'm like, I see this person here and I see me. And I'm like, it is really easy for me to see all my flaws and all the things that I'm doing wrong. And then I'm starting to realize like, wow, a lot of my religious beliefs aren't necessarily religious beliefs. They're just me being an asshole. I need to work on that. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. And, and now which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, which came first, the religion or the asshole? Like, I'm not really sure what was it because I was an asshole, I was drawn into a cult or mm. did the cult make the asshole? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I truly don't know. Um, I, it was probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but, a bit of symbiotic relationship, right? Yeah. Both bit. benefited from each other. Um, right. No, I, I agree. I, there's definitely um, components of faith that attract certain personalities that are very great and wonderful. It attracts a lot of like very altruistic kind of personalities and things mm-hmm. like that, of course. But it also can really attract very narcissistic <clears throat> people, you know, kind of sociopathic yes. kind of things like that. So, you know, it's, it's both sides of that. Um, but they can also flourish those kind of um, personalities, right? You look at what we're talking about with the American Christianity and it, it's, it being very um, driven by that undercurrent mm-hmm. of uh, an American exceptionalism, individualism, kind of some of those things that have made America great, but also in the wrong hands, sometimes made America what it's the worst at as well. You right. know, it's, it's, it's those kind of double-edged swords. And it's the same with religion, right? It can be this double-edged sword in the wrong hands, in the wrong perspective, with the wrong person, whether you were the wrong person going in or whether you were meant to through the wrong person mm-hmm. or whatever, it doesn't help. It actually, it kind of fans the flames of some of the, the worst in us, um, right. like judgmentalism and all that stuff. I mean, we're, we're, we're naturally wired to judge. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just part of our, you know, ego. And we're trying to devolve ourselves of that and learn to kind of let go and and stop telling these stories about other people and how they perceive the world and we don't actually know what's going on in their heads and um but religion really loves that sometimes and goes how about we do that more (laughs) you know how about we really go in all in on that judging people (laughs) like yeah yeah let's do that yeah and i think this will always happen to me uh, to be quite honest like i went to after i boom we've been at the church for a couple years my wife actually got a job at the, the same corporation I work at. Hmm. In fact, she's been already been promoted three times. I'm still in the same place that I've been oh, the entire man. time. <laughs> so she's, yeah, well, she's also got a master's degree and they really like that. So that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, apparently so, they like people related as well. Like, you know, we talk about church nepotism, but this company sounds like nepotism well, central, right? <laughs> there's, I mean, she is, she is an insanely focused person. Like she does not get distracted. Like she can right. knock out like these thousand page books in, in no time. She she uh, don't you hate she those people? So, she can literally <laughs> read hundred pages before I can read ten. I'm like, so it's envious. Re- so it's ridiculous. Envious. And like she is so she she is so intelligent and and just very disciplined and focused. Like it's and and honestly, I think she did save one of the projects that that she was working on. Like if it was not for her, they probably would have fell behind deadlines. And so they have very good reason for wanting to keep her around. <laughs> no, absolutely. I bet. I bet. <clears throat> yeah. But um, it was as, as far as like, 
like that, 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 that first push on the domino effect on my deconstruction now, like it was probably most evident during the 2016 election. Mm. And that was when I had already drifted really far apart from my cultures. But at that point I had already kind of like, yeah, they're crazy. <laughs> like mm. they're, they're the uh, anomaly in, in the data. So we're just going to cut them out to make the results a little bit more accurate. That's a, a good scientific example there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was when when Trump was finally the candidate. I'm like, well, shit. I don't know who I'm voting for. Um, I probably am going to vote Libertarian again because I voted Libertarian last time. Um, I actually knew um, for those who don't know um, Gary Johnson. I actually met him a couple oh, yeah. of times. I, I was his photographer when he was up in Ohio, um, and I got to have a couple beers with him and his uh, his VP and stuff. So I was very close into politics. <laughs> like it was very important yeah, yeah, yeah. to me. And. When, when Trump was the candidate, I'm like, wow, this is going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how the church is going to respond to this. Mm. And then, like, I was shocked. Like, I was legitimately shocked to see how much the church was just foaming at the mouth over Trump. And, like, this is not, it's not making any sense. Like, what is, what is happening? Mm. What is happening? And so, it's, it was the church moved very far away from where i was and i where i thought i aligned with the church as far as now being very pro-humanitarian like during the whole refugee crisis i i rubbed rubbed a lot of shoulders with a lot of people and i'm telling christians like hey paul freaking said our citizenship is in heaven we're not supposed to consider ourselves americans or mexicans whatever we are citizens of heaven and our job is to share the gospel with all people regardless no matter what and oh that pissed off a lot of conservative evangelicals. Oh, I yeah <laughs> and and just some of the horrible things that are, that are being said about refugees and people trying to flee persecution and that was that was rough and then when 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 trump did be, uh become president i was realizing really quick that Something, something is amiss here. I am now that liberal Christian. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a huge. Have you? Um, did you watch? Um, Kevin Miller did a documentary called JES USA. Um, no, I never about, heard it's that. It's about the conflation of American culture and Christianity, um, and this unique thing that is American Christianity. It's such a weird thing. Like for Christians around the world, that maybe not so much maybe places that have been like saved by america christians mm. or you know maybe missionary <clears throat> cultures but but for the rest of the christianity kind of watching on it is a bit of a head scratcher sometimes like most right. of europe watching america like get really excited about trump going all right i get that you're you guys are really into that abortion bit and that is like the be all and end all and we get it like that's how you're seeing things framing things you think it's you know you think millions of babies are dying every year we'd be pissed off if we thought millions of babies are dying every year as well i get it but you seem to be turning pretty hard blind eye on a lot of things here over that one issue like i feel like you could have found someone else that didn't like abortion anyone else really any other human probably would have been a pretty good candidate but like and so for for people outside of the american culture that was like whoa like america really going hard this time like because we we always kind of laugh at some of the candidates that kind of come up on some level um they're just kind of caricatures in a lot of ways sometimes um i remember i was yes. lived, i lived in america for a couple of elections and just watching i remember my church 
it was the year it was Romney versus Obama. And my church, um, Romney's, yeah, Romney's the, the Mormon, isn't he? Yeah. And, and they literally were like, yeah, like there's a good Christian candidate finally. You know, we don't have this like crazy non-Christian Obama. And I'm like, he's pretty advocate. Yeah, he's pretty strong. He says he goes to church. He's like quite clear. He believes in God. Like he's, you know, whatever your belief about what that means. But he's, he's certainly said what he believes. And there's no real evidence to say that he's not. And then I'm like, and you're advocating a Mormon. I'm like, Christians don't usually like Mormons. In my experience, Christians are really not pro-Mormon, but now they're like, this guy's God's person. He's a good, godly Christian man. And I'm like, you had to, you had to literally get what you have been calling a cult for decades. You had to incorporate an entire cult into your group to allow you to vote. Not really for this guy, but actually against someone else. Like, and I'm, I'm watching this, this like, mental gymnastics that an entire movement's doing um i know lots of christians voted for obama and lots of christians voted for romney or you know whatever different people um but watching this one group that i was involved with do that and and just having the luxury of being a bit outside of it and going wow they can't see they're doing this they can't see that they have embraced someone that they would have considered like a part of a cult and it's the same deal with trump like it's like when you go in there and you're in that you're like you guys you can't even, you're, you're so in cognitive dissonance that you can't even acknowledge this guy's joking about abusing women or whatever, right? I mean, um, and it's a fascinating component, but that must have been going on before. I mean, there have been candidates before where you're like, mm-hmm. that's not particularly a Christian <clears throat> candidate, but it's the Christian candidate. Um, but that wasn't enough for you. What was it about Trump that like, that was a big thing where you were like, whoa, we've kind of crossed the line here of who we're, who we're saying is the Christian candidate or God's choice or whatever language was there. Well, Obama was the antichrist. So that's, that's an important factor. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and to be fair, like you're a libertarian, right? I, I, yeah. I kind of, I get that. I've had libertarians come on the show and we talked about that and I, I, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of a lot of libertarian kind of yeah. positions. So I understand that even as a libertarian, Obama's still like the antichrist on some level, just maybe on a more political level, but, like, but it's big and, government. It's, you know, yeah. whatever it's, it's, it's a lot of things. So, Right. Um, I, I, and it's just a, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a libertarian right now. Uh, I really okay. want it. Um, I've, I've actually kind of, I don't know where the hell I am to be quite honest with you. It, <laughs> the problem with nuance, like, man, you don't fit in any exactly. boxes anymore. I, you know, I don't, I'm definitely a moderate. I lean left. I don't think it's fair to say that I lean left because I don't think having equality for all is a liberal radical idea, but apparently in America it is. Um, I see the good that government can do uh, for different social aspects and great. I'm all for that. The libertarian would say, nope, as limited government as possible. And I'm like, I don't think that's the right answer. Um, Clearly some private companies are good at certain things. Um, SpaceX, fantastic. Awesome corporation doing amazing stuff. Uh, Blackwater, <laughs> maybe not. That's okay. A great example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Well, and then yeah, and then you get into the thing of like, how far can we even uh, disintegrate government and Blackwater right. anyway at this point? <laughs> so like, right. what exactly. even is government and what is a private entity? It's a mess. It is a mess. Um, but yeah. So, okay. So sorry, but to yeah. rewind, so like but there was something in like the church's embracing of Trump that really was like, just a, like a kind of screeching breaks, like, Whoa, right. head out of the sand suddenly of like something 
is going on that I haven't seen before or something. I mean, he was, before. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, honestly, he's not a good human being. If, if, as an atheist, so I can pres- prescribe any sort of morality that is, you know, objective. Like, I don't think he, because I don't subscribe to that, but based upon Christian's own morality, there is no way to justify the things that he says. Mm. And so conveniently enough, Christians now are like, well, we're not, we're not electing a, a pastor. We're, we're electing a strong leader. Mm. And I'm like, great. You're electing a pastor or a, a president who wants to grab women by their pussies. Fantastic. That's, that sounds like an awesome person that we want to have to be, be president. And I know that, that, that statement gets overused a lot, but it it's the truth like he literally said it he did not apologize for it, as far as i know and he's like yeah i said that what are you gonna do and this is the same guy who says i can literally shoot a person in the street and i'll still be present and i fully yeah. believe he is accurate in that statement and that should be terrifying and i think that we are we're, we're seeing that played out with the whole black lives thing where we are literally having police officers you know murder black people and they're turning a blind eye to it. They're like, well, that is wrong. Okay, but what are we going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's, 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 it's insanely frustrating. Um, I, I think maybe just like the older I get, the, the more enlightened I become. I, I don't know if it's, <laughs> if it's that or not. But I, I knew Trump was not a, a person who has humanity's best interests. Yeah. And I think that was when I was starting to become more of a humanist. Um, that was when my, my, my Christian, my Christianity, my humanist perspectives were starting to, to mingle quite a bit when, because I also went to Peru on my first actual mission trip. That was a whole nother can of worms. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to be in a combat zone while I was in Iraq and, and, and see people living life when you're you're the one liberating them mm. but when you're the one there being the white savior trying to help people with the means of just be, getting them to become christians it was that 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 stark contrast because uh, back then back to 2009 i was in iraq and i was in a hospital um that we had and we, we were it was a children's hospital and there were a brother and a sister and we bombed them wow and just let's just say that they are not going to have a normal life as much as a, a, a normal iraqi child could have yeah, yeah, yeah and you know that's on us that was completely on us and that that will always haunt me knowing that at least when, when it comes to like pro-life situations, you cannot say that you're pro-life and look at the eyes of those children and still support a lot of things that evangelical uh, Christian conservatives support. Now it's a very broad general statement and I realize that, but I'm sure. referring straightly back to myself and I'm looking at these two children. One was a, a 10 year old girl and one was a five year old boy and we blew them literally to hell luckily they're alive what the fuck do you do with that Mm. and of course me at the time like oh we're helping these kids this is great and of course i took the selfie with the kids like oh my gosh like it's 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 horrible 
Mm-hmm. And, and I remember what the girl said. She actually, this team girl knew a little bit of English and she, and she tried to say, we know you're the good guys. Wow. Oh. <laughs> it's just so Best, it's, it go, again yeah. goes back to this black and white good guy, bad guy, right? Yeah. Because it's just not that simple, right? It is a it's mess not. trying to establish. But but again, we like the nice, simple, clear cut. And if we can beat a good guy, oh, thank God. That was a weight off my chest. Mm-hmm. You know? So anyway, sorry, um, you were about to keep going. Yeah. Guess. And so you, you fast forward to 2018, 17. I can't remember when I went to Peru. And same thing, like only this time I was in the uh, the Christian army. I, I led you know, half a dozen people to Christ. <laughs> I am baptized woman myself. Mm. So again, Christians, you want to say I wasn't a Christian? You want to know them by their fruit? Hey, I've how many people you saved? <laughs> I, I, I saved over a hundred. How about you? I've been baptized one of them. I discipled you know dozens of men myself. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we 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 ruined that moment there, Bill. But and and I, I realized that just just how religious Christianity was being and how much of a of a detriment that Christianity was being. Yeah, we I, I say some souls, but what but what of it? Mm-hmm. You know, is is we we left, we packed up and that was it. We taught them some English. Great. And it was really kind of concerning because they were obsessed with Western civilization. Like they wanted yeah. to be like America. And of course, like a lot of these people were here at that camp that we were doing because well clearly you had to be a Christian to be American. Mm-hmm whoa like that was that was terrifying for me yeah i'm like no and, and they're saying well can we be like trump or can we be like this person and, and still be a christian i'm like oh my gosh this is where are you getting this information from <laughs> like, mm. like they were equating like hollywood and politics to christianity like and so it wasn't even so much that they were wanting to be a christian they were wanting to be american and mm. i had to deconstruct a lot of my shit real quick in a quick few minutes there to try to help deconstruct i'm like no 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 no. christian you can be peruvian and still be christian please yeah (laughs) yeah and and, and, but you're taking away the part they want (laughs) they're like okay so can i become an american and not christian because that's the best option right Right. and there was and and i I don't want to like like downplay that 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 the peruvians were like like these these last lost culture people i know that that's that's stupid they're very intelligent they're just as intelligent as americans like it's yeah but they but a lot of them are in poverty and of course the education system with the poverty levels, we were working with a lot of people who were undereducated. There were a lot of educated people there too. Um, and they were actually quite helpful in, in trying to help the, the missionaries mm-hmm. kind of unravel some of that, some of that bullshit. And, and, you know, talking about, you think about, about, about Joe, I can't remember her last name, but she's really big on, on decolonization. Yeah. Yes. When I, I couldn't, I couldn't quite, put my finger on how wrong that mission trip was until I saw, I found her account. And I'm like, Oh, good God. This is what I was guilty of. This is it. This is it. (laughs) Her, her, her account, man, just like, it gets me every time. Every time I click on it, I kind of brace. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Cause I am like, I'm a white guy. I have a lot of white fragility to bring to the table. I have a lot of white supremacy to bring to the table. I, I just, I, yep. I've been privileged in my upbringing in a whole host of ways. Like, you know, I've got a whole stack of privilege um, and I've got a few elements that kind of <clears> notch <throat> me down the <throat> list, but I'm still, I'm doing very well. 
Um, and every time I click on it, I'm reminded of it and I'm shown, hey, this is some of the ways that some of that stuff might be ingrained in you still, and you might mm -hmm. still be actively benefiting at the expense of someone else, or you might still be per perpetrating things that make the world a worse place. And and I and I I am so drawn to it because it's so good for me and it's so mm -hmm. healthy and it's so um important but it's so scary because <laughs> it's right. no one wants to you know have that <clears throat> mirror held up and go oh there's a monster looking back in some ways right mm -hmm. not that we're all e evil terrible but just that's just part of our culture and the systemic elements that we've been grown up in and you know it's not to say that anyone's white's evil but if you've been grown up white you probably grew up in a system that has allowed you to yes. benefit and, and oppress other people and things like that um but i love her account in in this in this in this pain uh this like love hate dynamic where i absolutely love it but i also like hate the work it forces me into but i love the work it forces it's just amazing um, no it's you're, yeah that's, you're that's exactly right. there was a person i was thinking of as you were telling that story i'm like gosh Joe Lumen would love to have a magnifying glass on that trip. You know what I mean? Like, just like, what's going on here? Dude, just I would have, so she would be beating crap out of me like every single <laughs> second. I'm like, it was, I was, like, again, I didn't know it. And I, I thought I was yeah. doing good. Yeah. I, as, as everyone who goes on mission trips thinks that they're actually doing good. Okay. Let's, yeah. let, let, let's, let's separate the, 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 whatever you call it, the, um, the, the bullshit. Like, People have good intentions when they go on a mission trip. Absolutely. Okay? And she'd be the first to say that as well. You know, she, right. she highlights the system. She, <clears throat> she pushes it. And if you're quick to go, oh, yeah, yeah, there is a problem. Out there. So, like, you know, I'm not saying that, like, I click on it going, oh, gosh, she's out to get me. That's never her intent. I've had her on the show and had great chats with her. Like, but it's still scary to have, like, right. oh, you're attacking. It's like Christianity, right? You attack the system. You mm -hmm. feel attacked as one of the people within the system. Anyway, so. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and so, like, I, like, what do I do when I go to an entire, uh, basically an entire county or an entire city in Peru where they have no, they have very little running water, no electricity, and and somehow these people survive. And, like, I, I don't get it. I, I, I could not comprehend it. And here they are worshiping, you know, singing white American Christian, song, uh, Christian mm -hmm. songs, you know, and it's just it's just heartbreaking of course i did the again the white savior picture with me and all the children doing sunday school with the kids yeah. oh my gosh like anyways so that was that was as far that was the humanitarian late for me mm. and that that was when i think i hit like my my peak spiritual maturity when i realized when, when i shed shed a lot of the political and religious bullshit from christianity to actually being an effective Christian saying, no, there are things that Jesus taught that the church directly works against. And we can see that actively. And mm. I don't really care what other Christians say. I'm going to do what Jesus taught. Mm. Now in the background, my wife, while I was on that mission trip, God failed her because she has separation anxiety. Mm. And that was a big part of her deconstruction. And after that, she was never the same after that trip again. She was almost suicidal. She, she wow. dealt with a lot of crap. Uh, people were supposed to stay with her. Other Christians were supposed to stay with her um, and stay the night with her. A lot of our friends fell through on that, and she was there alone wow. because she dealt with that separation anxiety from when I was in Iraq. So we got married on when I was on leave in Iraq, by the way. Like, wow. So literally, 
our last six months of our engagement, the first six months of our marriage, I was gone. Um, yeah, exactly. And of course, I went on this mission trip because to become a pastor at, the, at our church, you had to go on at least one mission trip. So I am fulfilling God's duty, and I felt God calling to go on this mission trip. And so being the good wife that she was, she was like, I am going to trust God to support me on this despite Mm. uh these issues and she was very proactive she she got these ladies to come out come with her and stay with her and it it went to shit like every night i was calling my wife and she was in tears and i just don't know what to say while i'm also trying to do all this mission work so right i mean you're trapped in peru right you barely have running water never mind a way to get back and make it better Yeah. yeah exactly so that was that was nuts and so she'd done some biblical counseling after that and tried to be in some support groups and it was, I went on, so she was struggling and there wasn't a whole I could do um, as a husband. <clears throat> but some of the things that I personally wanted to do was I wanted to figure out who Jesus was. And I wanted to have that real personal relationship, not with just my idea of who Jesus was, but who actually Jesus is. Mm. Um, uh, my idea of inerrancy, biblical inerrancy has started to dwindle, uh, already a little bit, even though I'll still read my Bible every single day. Sure. And Why was that starting notes. to dwindle? What, what caused you to start to kind of question that and, and not hold that up? Some, actually some of the things that, that, uh, that was being taught at our church and okay. they would, they would say, listen, like, you know, it's, it's the, the Bible. So there, it was kind of like double speak. They would say like the Bible is the mind of God. Is it perfect? Mm, it was maybe most of the time, but it's still the mind of God. I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. Sounds good. <laughs> like, I don't know how, how that works, if God's perfect, but whatever. You know, you got the, the human element that's mixed in there. Sure. And so I guess around, so this is 2020, so 2019. So uh, Christmas 2018, I had already have gotten a lot of distance between me and a lot of Christians. Um, I was still being grown up to be a pastor at our church. Then I was, I realized personally that I was dealing with a lot of, a lot of spiritual issues. And there was a lot of things that the church did and supported that I didn't think was exactly biblical, not just like our specific church, but like the church at large. And I'm like, sure. I need to figure out this is something that I can actually support because they have a two-year program for people who want to become pastors and leaders in the church. And I already done all the other dozen leadership courses. Like I, I had checked every box. Like I was, I was ready to go. Like if, if I would have done it, unless I would have said that Jesus is not real or something like that, um, then they would have allowed yeah. me into the program. Like I, I was a shoo-in essentially. Cause I was supposed to, I, I almost gotten last time. I'd already been in the church for six months. Mm. Um, but this time around, I, I didn't even, I didn't even put in an interview and a lot of people were kind of concerned about that. Um, especially the, the one of the main pastors for the men's ministry that was kind of grooming me up a little bit. He's like, what's mm. going on? I'm like, well, I'm still figuring out some stuff. Yeah, don't worry. God will probably still be here for the next round of, 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 <laughs> of pastoral training. That's all you do. <laughs> so, yeah. So I had listened to a lot of Joe Rogan. I like Joe Rogan, even as a Christian kind of kind of woo-woo dude i still think he's a little bit of a woo-woo dude but i, yeah, I yeah. can appreciate the man's honesty he he will have anyone on there he has everyone of all sorts of walks of life on there and you know i i can respect him for that i don't have to agree with everything he says and does without respecting the fact that he's got transparency yeah and no so i, I like him for the same cool. reasons i like that he'll have someone 
you put these dualistic camps, he'll have them all. You know, he's like, oh, they're radically right. Cool. Get them on. They're radically left. Stick them on. Let's have a chat. And he doesn't. Exactly. He pushes back a bit on different people at times. But generally speaking, even then, it's not it's not attack him attacking them. It's like, a, oh, I had a guest like a few months ago and they said, actually, it's like this. How would you respond to that? And still just gives them space to explore. And it's a long form. It's one of the reasons I do a long form uh, chat is because of people like Joe Rogan, Pete Holmes, mm-hmm. people that do longer runs. And I'm like, I love this. You, you can't have someone on for too long and think, oh, I hate this person. I, I've, had, I've listened to, I go out of my way to find people on Joe Rogan that I really don't like really don't like and there's quite a few um i don't like a lot of people apparently um and after you listen to for three hours with one exception um i'm like ah this pretty decent guy actually just doing his thing and he just believes who he is i think he believes wrong but i can't like fault him as a bad human or anything anymore well, let me guess. Is the one person Alex Jones? Yes, my yes. God! <laughs> I tried so hard. I was like, "Well, I, you know, I'm gonna try." And I'm like, "Dang, this guy is just not doing himself any favors." The amount of times Joe interrupts me and goes, "Look, Alex, look, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I just think maybe if we not shit down, we got a little bit less angry about like just totally side projects, and maybe like worked on." No, nope, he just would just. Oh, he was just crazy. Let's, let's just that, pause that on crazy. this for a second. Let's yeah. just pause it. Oh, he's literally had. Over a thousand people be interviewed on his show. Over one and a half thousand people now, right? And you immediately and, and know the one person. The one person. That is telling. That is telling. <laughs> Alex Jones is a special type of human. Um, and oh gosh, is I dream of having people like Alex Jones on there. I want to like I dream of having like John Piper on here and just just oh, asking questions and going, Do yes. you ever, have you ever had doubts? Like, come on, just be honest. Like, you ever had doubts? I mean, no one's gonna watch this. Like a thousand people are gonna see this. None of your friends, none of your people mm-hmm. are going to see this. You ever have any questions? Like, how do you deal with that? Do you ever deal right. with the existential dread? I mean, they would just never have that conversation. The problem is, I like, yeah. have to get those people on. But I love the idea. Um, so yeah, yeah, I love Joe, and I love the way he does that. Anyway, yeah. keep going. So, so you, I know you, I know you like the long uh, form. I, I know you usually cap it usually about two hours. So I'm going to try to try to squeeze in like the whole last year of my craziness. Oh gosh. And, and, well, and, we can go a little over here. if you need. So I've, okay, I've, I've, I've always got loads of time. So okay, uh, fantastic. I, I want to make sure we don't steal your day. If you've got, to, uh, if you need to be. Um, tact, uh, tact and conciseness is not one of my strong suits. So no, I, was me definitely bre- I was definitely bred to be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I listen to Joe Rogan. No leads you to a lot of people, including, Sam Harris, like, hey, Sam Harris, this guy seems pretty cool. Like, he talks a lot about you know, skepticism and, and things like that. And, you know, he seems to be a pretty intelligent dude. Like, I like intelligence. So let's check him out. I'm listening to one of Sam Harris's uh, podcasts. He has a, a, uh, a guy on there who's an expert on the Bible. I'm like, oh, fantastic. This should be really interesting. I'm going to check this guy out. Fucking Bart Ehrman. Fantastic. I knew, I knew you were going to say Bart Enter Ehrman. Ehrman. Enter Ehrman. Amazing. To, to say, I, I okay, I'm not going to hide it. I am an Airman fanboy. There, there, there's oh, no... I love Airman. 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 I'm not sure which one it is. He, it's funny because I've heard people introduce him both ways, and he doesn't correct them either way. I think he oh, might just if, get... When I get him on this podcast and I said when, not if, I'm going to do it. Um, when I get him, I'm just not going to at all introduce... I'll just be like, and this is Bart. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> People's done that though. I've noticed like, that I've, there's multiple yeah. ways people have yeah. said it. And like, yeah, it, it just seems to like glide in. Yeah. So, who knows? <laughs> so that's funny. And and then all of a sudden he started saying all these things. I'm like, wait, what? What? No, that's not true. 
that's bullshit. What? No. <laughs> it's like, start saying all these things. And, started, and again, I had already kind of caught on to a couple things just by doing it. Cause again, I've been studying the Bible for three years straight, just doing my own personal devos. And I'm like, wait a second. Like I would say things like the Bible doesn't say that the Bible says this, like, what, what do I do here? And, and in fact, I can't remember why I started listening to Aaron the first time, but I do remember um, reading about the, I don't know what it was about the Ascension, the, the Ascension mm-hmm. of Christ. And it was uh, at Easter service. And my wife was very much doubting. And that was really pulling on me. And how were you feeling with that? With the fact that your, your wife was kind of going through a bit more of a deconstruction, maybe a little ahead of schedule yes. for where you were at. Like, was well, that I mean, like she, hard for you? Like, I mean, that's hard for a lot of good kind of Bible believing Christians, their partners, maybe not in the same place anymore. Like that's right. That's a lot. It was a lot. Um, I knew a lot of, a lot of Christian males, their wife had peaced out and they were still doing the whole Christian thing with their wife not being a Christian anymore. I'm like, well, I guess that's going to be me then. Wow. That sucks, but which is I'm funny because the norm is usually the other way around, right? Like, how many churches are full of like women that haven't got their husbands with them? Because, yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know statistics. Maybe it's just because I'm not as close as many females, but you know, I, yeah. I do know a lot of guys who who had to deal with that. So that was kind of rough. And you know, good figure. My wife is honestly a little bit more wittier and has a few more synapses firing a little faster than I do. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that she was ahead of the curve on me on this. <laughs> But I, I kind of turns with it, you know, and it was, it was painful. You know, it, I loved hearing my wife sing and, and worship. That's what, one of the things that I loved about her. And so many times we were going to church and she just would stand up as she wanted to sing. And it was heartbreaking. It was really painful. And um, so finally I asked her, you know, do you want to go to Easter service? And she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'm like, fantastic. This is great. And then, and I had just recently read about the ascension of Jesus. And I also had found out about the story of Romulus and a couple other people who have supposedly ascended into heaven. And I'm, I'm reading the end of Luke here. And I'm like, this is strange. This is not in any other gospel. Why is this not in any other gospel? That is kind of concerning. Right. And that's kind of a big thing. And where did Luke get this information? Because he wasn't a disciple. He's hearing this secondhand. And I, I, literally wrote in my bible here i'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up here real quick go for it yeah. actually because you're an whenever... atheist with a bible to hand i like that <laughs> oh I, it's it's never left my desk and you know i i like to take a picture of it or i i, I love i like to look at it because if i had to really point to where i really started going down here really fast it was it was that point right there and I'm just kind of pointing wow. to the ascension. I love it. Do I believe I that? <laughs> and if if that is bullshit, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like that that is literally a, a spiritually a mind fuck. I know I've been cussing a lot here, so I, I apologize. No, you're my fine. You still, can cuss as much as you want on this. So. Still hates cussing. She really Oh really? Does. That's fine. It's well I'm Scottish, because... so I cuss as like, you know, that's my bread and butter. Yeah. It's, it's funny because like she has like this this kind of like subjective rule. She's like cussing's fine as long as it's uh, an, a, a suitable reason to cuss. Mm. <laughs> and so every now and then I'll hear something or hear someone cuss. I'll be like, was that a good reason? <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out when it's acceptable for me to or not. That's so funny. like 
it's like when Disney was closed for three or four months, like because we're Disney addicts. Stephanie was like, I fucking want Disney to open. I'm like, oh. Yeah, She's yeah. like, that That's was exactly. a good reason. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Well, I don't um, need much reason to be honest. Yeah, I, I end up cussing quite so, a lot. So, so I re- I remember being a. It wasn't Easter service. It was the, the Palm Sunday service, and I remember really struggling, really struggling. Like I have, I'm having doubts. I have never had doubts. Never. Wow. That was scary. And the next week, I was fine. The next week for the actual resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, I, I was good. <sighs> yeah. What, what, then, had, had you kind of come to terms? Have you answered it for yourself, or did you just kind of like just well, shove that back down there and just not look at it? Like, how, um, how did you how did you feel like you came to a place where like by the next week you were like, yeah, okay, back to church, I'm good, I don't mind, I'm not too worried, because that's a big like crisis. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I guess through, it's, it's normal for people to doubt, right? Like maybe it just took me 25 years to finally start doubting something. Like, okay, well, this is normal. It's okay mm. to doubt. You know, our, our pastor has this thing called saying, doubt your doubts. That's mm. some good kind of, uh, some uh, good kind of distance or confirmation. But anyway, I can't remember. It's not healthy. <laughs> like, it works though. It works really well to keep people going. Um, but it was, I think it was that specifically that I'm like, I want to figure out more about this. And, and that's when I started learning about airmen and I would, and, and then he had this, this story and that's a great story. And he was in Bible college when he was still an evangelical Christian and his professor, this is the, he would tell you this exact same story. He does it quite a few mm-hmm. times too. So I'm going to repeat it here because it's effective. His professor is like, just, I can't remember what the story, what the question was about. And so it seemed like it was like a seeming contradiction or something that was not correct. And, and so Airman had like this strong, incredibly multi-page rebuttal to this one simple question. And he got in on it. And then, but the, pa- the, the pastor, the professor wrote a little note, hey, this is great. But wouldn't it be simpler to say that maybe Mark was just wrong? Oh, shit. <laughs> Could Mark be wrong? Mm. Is that possible? Like... <laughs> wow that was that for me i'm like no it's the word of god he, he can't be wrong yeah, then right. i remember about the ascension i'm like oh could have luca been wrong and then i'm like oh my gosh mark wasn't eyewitness either oh shit he's also our earliest gospel oh crap like it, it was like all of a sudden like this huge avalanche just happened wow. and i'm like let's calm down let's breathe and so being, being a, a good skeptic, I, I watched a lot of debates uh, with Airmen. Um, in fact, in fact, I didn't even do that. I paused it. I could not listen to the, that podcast anymore. I paused right. it. And I'm like, I need to listen to a Christian's perspective on this. <laughs> and so I found a guy named Dr. So for, so for Christians listening who, who think that Airmen brought me down and he was like the the, the sole winner of why I no longer believe that the Bible is inerrant, it was actually not Airman. It was a Christian, and that was Dr. Daniel Wallace. And I'm like, yes, this is like a two-hour-long lecture. He's a Bible expert. Textual Craig, this is going to be fantastic. And he has this really long intro about all these manuscripts and how it's, it's all wonderful. And it's like 99.9% correct. I'm like, what's he mean by that? Well, whatever, it doesn't matter. Sure he'll explain it. And then he says, you know, is the Bible right? absolutely is it the mind of god absolutely not i'm like what (laughs) 
what <laughs> and my heart just sank and, and right. then it was terrifying for me to realize how much of my faith hinged on basically the bible being true yeah and that was that was rough and then of course stephanie's watching it with me my wife and she and i asked her how she's been doing spiritually and she's like well this stuff sure isn't helping <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny wow um so i watched uh, all of our Aaron's great courses um uh, yale university has some open courses and i learned um the the secular version of the biblical history one from christine haynes she taught she taught the old testament course yeah I, yeah, I love it. Every every Christian needs to take that course. There's no question about it. It's free. If you can listen to an hour-long summer once, once a week, you can listen to one of these lectures once a week and get through it in a year. Absolutely necessary. And it will solve so much ignorance. Yeah. And and then I, I got to listen to uh, Dale Martin, who actually used Bart Ameren's uh, textbook in that class, which I thought was hilarious. And the more I learn about the Bible, the more I realize so much of what I believe is based upon what scripture tells me. Mm. And so then I was quickly uh, trying to rely on uh, apologetics as far as, you know, Christians debating atheists, because at this point it's, it's, it's no longer the Bible. I got to figure out why I believe Jesus. Yeah. Okay. And it came to a point where after listening to the Christian Hayes's class, I'm like, the Old Testament is bullshit. There, there is no reason for me to believe that it is anything inspired in that text at all. New Testament, sure. It's, it's, I, I, so the way I rationalize the New Testament is these are what certain men believed back then about Christianity. It would just like if I were to give up and uh, go up and give my testimony to someone about how Jesus saved me or, or did good things, this was their version of doing that. And that's how I rationalize it. And I saw right. the humanity in the gospels and, and, and Paul's letters. And now that, that was to me like, yeah, that's what that is. Like, it gave me a nice little jolts. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with this. And in fact, I feel like I loaded up a few extra points, you know, as a, <laughs> as a Christian, like I got this. And then I, the more I learned about how the text was written um, and, and then I realized, well, it sounds like, Jesus never even actually considered himself to be God. He never wanted himself to be worshipped. He, he did get worshipped in a sense, just kind of sure. like how a person would worship a king. But even yeah. those stories, like when you look at the, uh, the, the lady who anointed Jesus' head or feet, which one was it? I don't know which lady was it, depending on which gospel <laughs> you read. I'm like, there's not a single story in this whole thing that even makes sense. Like, they don't agree with each other. Like, who was it? Like, I would think if it was Mary Magdalene, you would freaking know if it was her or not <laughs> okay uh whose house was in it depends which gospel you read and mm-hmm. now i'm just kind of realizing there is so much stuff that's in these gospels that just don't line up yeah and uh, which one do you believe and that's why i got really stuck on trying to learn the historicity of jesus mm. and that was that was chaotic and and airman helped out a lot with that like he's like yeah he's a he was an apocalyptic preacher and then I, I can't remember where i've heard it but um it, i don't think it was from Aaron. i think it was from someone else um and i and i fully support this and they said if you do not understand second temple judaism you will not understand the new testament 100 percent, yeah and i'm like what's second temple judaism <laughs> <laughs> i had no idea mm. so i learned about it oh my goodness like 
it so much more like the more I learn about Second Temple Judaism, the, the more that the the things that are mentioned in the, in the Gospels, the things that, that Paul mentions, the things that are mentioned by the yeah. uh, the non Pauline epistles, it it this all makes perfect sense. Like I was praying for God to give me answers. I was getting answers. <laughs> it's not the ones I was wanting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so it was really frustrating. So to a point, it it came about where. I no longer believed in hell. That was another another uh, philosophical issue that listening to apologists debate with atheists and and, and the Gnostics. I'm like, again, I'm finding myself agreeing with all these atheists more so than the Christians. I'm like, oh, this is not good. This isn't a good sign. And and then I started realizing, wait, a lot of these apologists' arguments aren't Christian arguments. These are the. You're fine. Yeah, sorry. There was a phone call. <laughs> these are these are deistic arguments. I'm like, oh, good God, <laughs> like, this is true. Like these these guys are preaching Christianity, but these are deistic arguments, and there is a huge chasm between yeah. saying that Jesus is God and saying that yeah, the God of the universe did all this stuff. In which my my perspective is, I always tell people this: like, I don't care if you believe in a God. That is fine. We cannot disprove God. Can't prove God. There is not proof for God, hence the faith. Um, a lot of Christians try to prove God, but there is still no scientific evidence for it, let alone trying to define God to have those parameters. And so when Christians actually tell me, like, what would evidence for God look like then? As if like, I'm strongmanning them, I'm like, I, I tell them, like, look up Michukaku, look up string theory. Like, it's fascinating. Michukaku completely believes in intelligent design, and he's also an atheist. More or less. Yeah. I don't know if you call himself a full-blown atheist or not. But um, and I tell him, like, look up all the data that's been going on string through for the last several decades, and that is what scientific evidence for a supposed God would eventually kind of look like. It's not like, oh, look at creation. That is not, it's not proof for a God. Yeah. It's, that's you saying, oh, this thing matches my ideology, and this God matches my ideology. That's, that's not proof. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, uh, you, you're preaching to the choir in many ways. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't hold myself to be uh, atheist, more agnostic, but maybe there's an overlap in that anyway. Um, and there's certainly a lot of times, many times throughout the day, I'm an atheist. Um, by all <laughs> means, like for sure, I, I have my moments throughout the day that are innumerable that I'm like, oh, I don't think I was particularly living guided by some form of being at that moment. I just was doing my thing. Um, and it intrigues me that at a very core base value, we can look at how human beings develop and evolve to desire religion as a, mm-hmm. as a narrative structure, right? The power of myth as, as um, one way to kind of like help us have meaning and purpose and, and feel safe and secure and whatever that is. And, and this is a problem for a lot of people at Deconstruct is they, they lose that and they feel very mm-hmm. unsafe and they feel an existential crisis yeah. and holy shit, I'm going to be just worm food. Are you kidding me? Like, ah, you know, like um, that whole thing is quite um, uh, unsettling. Was that something that you, um, as you started to realize, gosh, I think I'm, I'm, maybe leaning into quite a bit of atheist thought if i'm not fully atheist i'm certainly mostly atheist how did you so, how did you handle and deal with that kind of process it wasn't until the fall of of 2019 that i was really dealing with 
the whole I, I i would never consider myself an atheist still in 29 and middle, middle of 2019 like i because again i thought atheists was do claim that god does not exist like that mm-hmm. that was my understanding of atheism and that's a that's a big misconception yeah um and so i worshiped jesus i don't know if he was god i don't know if he was a son of god i did i and i'd already dismissed hell as well and I wanted to live like Jesus lived. But at that point, I, I still consider myself a Christian in philosophy, or a, a philosophical Christian. Um, I, we had stopped going to church. It was too painful. There was just way too much BS being taught from the pulpit, just right. mostly because it was either historically inaccurate or textually inaccurate. Because, man, I hit the books hard that, that nine months, you mm. know, and, and just cramming as much information because again i'm at work i'm just looking at computer looking at imagery all day and i am just consuming as much info as i possibly can because my salvation literally relies on it right which is strange though because you became an atheist so that usually means that you don't take things seriously and you don't take the bible seriously or (laughs) um i finally I, i i i came to the realization that if Jesus existed, which I believe he did, um, I do not think he was God. I believe he was a Messiah. And a lot of Christians are ignorant on, on a lot of these terminologies. Like a Messiah, when you look at the Old Testament, when you look at Judaism, it was a physical king sent to save Israel mm-hmm. from oppression. And there were a lot of Messiahs in Jesus' time. And he, I fully believed that he would thought he was some sort of apocalyptic Messiah chosen by God to save Israel, to save Judaism from Rome. Mm. And I fully believe that he thought that God was going to send someone down, the Son of Man, because sometimes Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Sometimes he yeah. talks about the Son of Man, third person. I don't know if Jesus knew if he was a Son of Man or not. I thought, well, maybe God will make me the Son of Man. I can, I can actually be that Savior for Israel. Yeah. And so when you look at the earliest gospel in Mark, when he says, God, why have you forsaken me? I feel like he felt like abandoned by God because he felt like God was actually leading him on this mission to save Israel. And he, he trusted God up until the very last minute, mm. even crucial, like, God, how's a really good time to show up. Mm. Please show up. And then he, when he knew he was getting ready to die, he died. Yeah. And that was it. And I believe his, his followers didn't know how to make heads from tails of that. You know, when, when people, I have seen visions of Jesus. I have seen demonic and angelic presences all under high stressful situations. I, we know that people who have lost important people to death, see them again in visions and hallucinations. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that the disciples believe that they saw something uh, and thought that Jesus was resurrected, even if just from a, a metaphorical perspective. Yeah. Because when you look at resurrection, there's a lot of other gods and deities in Greek and Roman history that were resurrected. Were they actually really resurrected? Or were we just talking about their spirit? Mike Lacona debating Airman when Airman says, Hey, those zombies that broke out of the tomb and started talking to people when Jesus died, was that literal or metaphorical? And Aaron kept on pressing the question because yeah. Michael Cohen would not answer the damn question. He's like, well, I think Christians it's Christians do not like that bit. <laughs> we just don't, that part is not in the Easter story, right? 
It's like, oh yeah, and then 500 people or however many it is to start wandering around, climbing out of graves and like, Mm-hmm. And so Michael from the passion yeah. <laughs> right. play that we're putting on with the youth. <laughs> exactly. And Michael Cohen straight says, no, that's, that's a totally metaphorical thing. It, it's the genre. It was talking about how grandiose the death of Jesus was. And I'm like, then, then, then what, how, how the hell do you determine what was metaphorical? What was it? Was the ascension going back to that? Was mm-hmm. that metaphorical or was it literal? <laughs> like, ah, uh, it's, and so I, I haven't, I have not shared this with anyone else. So you're, you're the first person. I was thinking about saving this for the actual anniversary. But I was at work, and I was having a meltdown. And I was trying to come up with a, a way to reconcile being a legitimate Christian with what I now know. With, with not even just theories, but with actual facts, actual mm-hmm. historical knowledge that I possessed. How do I reconcile that with Jesus? <clears throat> and and I actually I had to write it down. And so I'm just going to hold this up here right now. So I literally wrote this on a post-it note from work. Okay, I don't know if you can read that or not. Can you read that? Uh, we are sure. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'll, I'll just read it. So <laughs> that's that's a small writing. Oh, add I, some. I, I, uh, I wrote it. I wrote it. So Wednesday. Your handwriting is nearly as bad as mine. <laughs> I wrote it. So Wednesday, October 9th, 2019, the day I concluded, dot, 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 I can't say it. I literally wrote it. I can't say it. This is how dramatic I can be sometimes. But this was gut-wrenching for me. If I'm going to say, I could not say it, so I'm going to write it down. I would literally say, I love you, Jesus, but I can no longer consider myself a Christian. I will apply your, I will apply your teachings. May your grace abound. Mm. Because if I was wrong, and if Jesus actually is God, you're going to need that grace. <laughs> I'm going to need that grace. And I tried everything to have him mm. be real. I pleaded for God so many times to be fucking real. Yeah. And I needed him to. And I was, you know, I was left with, with silence the same way my wife was as well. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many times I, I prayed myself to sleep after writing that Jesus, like I'm, I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm absolutely terrified. And it's, and, and, and that's, that's, that's the trauma. That's the indoctrination that religion does to people. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you know, sorry for freaking wishy-washy whatever. So I, I've kept this no, because this is, this is important. I also, ha- I also have a picture of a painting of Jesus uh, that w- that was painted when I got saved. So I had both. I-, I took a picture of the painting that some person prayed during a uh, a gospel presentation that when I rededicated my life at 14, I have a picture of that painting from when I accepted Christ mm. and started following him. <clears throat> and then, uh, or when, I'm sorry, when he accepted me to follow him. That's, that's the, uh, that's the correct uh, reform way of saying it. <laughs> so much bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had both. Um, and I call myself an agnostic and, uh, because I didn't know what to believe. I was so just going to follow Jesus' teachings and the Christianity had done so much harm and I, I can no longer consider myself a Christian. And then, uh, if God wanted to change his mind and reveal himself, I am, I am still here. Uh, I will, I will pick up that phone call if he ever wants to call me and, and then say, Hey, well, straighten up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so, in, in fact, uh, I talked with a friend from church just a, a few weeks ago. You know, he wanted to, to pray for healing for me. I told him, no, I, I do not want you to pray for healing for me. He was kind of put off by that because I already told him, no, I didn't want him to. Mm. So he, he pressed again. He's like, what, what will it take for you to, to believe in God? Then? Like, it seems like no, no, no one thing is going to convince you. I'm like, him showing up right here in the parking lot is what will convince me. Mm. And not only just me seeing it, but you seeing it. And him saying, hey, Will, I'm Jesus, I'm God, yes, I am real. And then I'll pull my camera, and I'll record that shit, and then I'll go into the restaurant that we were staying at, and I'll pull out a waitress, I'm like, waitress, can you see this person? Yeah, three different people saying that, yes, we can see God right here, right now, talking to us. That's funny. Now, is God all-powerful? Then he can freaking do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Does he want to avoid me from going to hell? He should want to do that. Hopefully. Hopefully yeah it's so either either he doesn't give a shit about me or he's not there it's one is one of those two Mm -hmm. now i'm not keen on as we discussed like having yes or no situations but i can't think of of a different situation either he is completely uh, we're talking about the evangelical judeo-christian god here sure we're not talking about other gods but the God that I believe in, Jesus, if he wants to save me from hell, he is absolutely capable of knowing how to reach me. Yeah. It's interesting. Have you come across um, – I've had um, uh, Tom uh, Thomas J. Ord on, and uh, I know like uh, Greg Boyd and some other Christian figures um, hold to something called open theism. Have you come across open theism or open relational uh, theology? Because I, I – I, I, so I've heard of a lot of things in passing because mm. I've had a lot of Christians try to win me back. Sure. I've had a lot of Christians say, hey, or theists say, hey, well, why don't you try this? Because I, I, I explore Buddhism a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the, the, the gentleman no. you speak of. Well, specifically. So the, the concept is, is a fascinating concept, uh, if nothing else, just from a metaphysical kind of philosophical okay. uh, exploration. But it basically it is underpinned by the first presumption that you make where God is all powerful. And it mm-hmm. says... <clears throat> where where does it actually exactly find? um and so actually their premise is so so thomas ord has a book called god can't um mm-hmm. and it's it's not in my opinion it's not the best um introduction to the it may be the best introduction to it but it's not the best um outworking of it, it, it mm-hmm. i think there's some ones that go a bit more in depth um but the, the concept that no god can't do certain things he is he yes. is driven by a certain set of ethics his nature his being prohibits him from doing or her or it or whatever mm-hmm. from doing certain things if you believe in god as a personality um and it's a very fascinating kind of branch uh, within christianity it really intrigues me um and i think um, just as I, someone that loves looking into random stuff um you might find that really interesting um because it is a fascinating i mean it's we're we're all what isn't metaphysical right when we're talking about god like right we're it's yeah. just all as playing philosophers right we're talking about like something that is not there uh at least based on any of our actual senses right i mean mm-hmm. it, it might be there but we don't know we you know we're it's like people arguing about what happens after you die and it's like we don't know right okay. we don't know so well, let's argue let's come up with some cool ideas and even live your life based on that if it makes you a better person and then helps you live this life we don't know like we can we do know that we don't know right um unfortunately not a lot of people say no i don't know that <laughs> I, I really do know um but it's fascinating like and and that must i mean 
that realization is such a hard brick wall to hit after running mm-hmm. so hard <clears throat> for decades at this point. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about like, just like that, you know, in your bed, like praying to a God that you don't even believe anymore, going, God, if you are there, I really want you to be there, or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you find a natural kind of, how, how did you get from there to where you are now? Are you still there at times? Do you still think, oh God, I miss no. God, or I wish there no. was God, or I'm scared there's a God? Or what was the process of like coming out of that? It helped dismissing hell already before I was a Christian. Mm. Or, or while, while I was still a Christian, I'm sorry. Yeah. So sorry. I'd already dismissed hell. And so that was one of the other things. I'm like, then why do I need Jesus? There's no hell. Didn't he die for my sins? So of course, that was also a later development within the church, that, that, sure. that belief. And so actually, to, so to your point, that is, is God all-powerful? That was one of the things that actually kept me a Christian during that. Like, well, there are clearly things that God can't do. God, can God lie? Nope. Can God learn anything new? Oh, no, he can't learn anything new. <laughs> so, and, and there are different things. Um, but it's, it's, nevertheless, it's like, what is this God then? Like, like mm. you know, who, who, who is he? And, and how, do we, how do we relate to him? And that's, and that's where the agnostic part comes in. It's like, if there's a God out there, great. And, but what does it matter if there is? And it, it goes to the, the divine hiddenness issue. It's like, a God that is silent, a God that doesn't interact is no different, or a God that is silent is no different than a God's mm. not there. And that, that, that hit me pretty hard too. And, but, but to answer your question, you know, it's, I was, it wasn't about hell. Like a lot of Christians, like you were just, you know, you're just trying to get your fire insurance. Like even when I was praying to God, it wasn't necessarily just about hell. In fact, that was very little bit of it. I love Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I loved him. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was abandoning him. Yeah. So it's not grieving just, that relationship, yeah. right? I mean, it's literally, exactly. it's like a divorce. It's like a, mm-hmm. a death of a loved one or something like that. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. But was that just, just like a divorce or a death of a loved one? Was it just a thing of like time heals all wounds? Or, or is that kind of how you see your process of getting through that or over that? When I was realizing that so much of the things I experienced and knew was essentially a product of my own, I don't want to use imagination, but a product of it was, it was a product of religion is what it was. And we had created, created these parameters and by one by one, all these walls started coming down. I, I kind of realized like there's, there's no house here to begin with. Okay. <laughs> like, there's, there's not even a foundation. Mm. Like what's, what is all this? And <clears throat> I think that's what religion does. It likes to give, like you said earlier, religion is good at giving people order and kind of and constructs and, and how to a type of schedule even on, on how to work life out. And but the people who become fundamentalists, and I believe pretty much every if most evangelicals, in my opinion, are fundamentalists just because of their view on, on biblical inerrancy in general. Um, when they <clears throat> take religion to be so literally that they are they are creating people to end up like me mm. uh, a pastor that i still keep in touch with and most of my friends are actually still christians he was like i don't think that you'd be an atheist now if you weren't so fundamental when you first got raised i'm like you're probably mm. right you're probably absolutely right yeah. well it's it, there's, <clears throat> there's good solid data on um 
when you uh, when you look at the groups of people that are leaving church that are leaving christianity on the whole um it's not to say that all of them are this but on the whole there are more people in that group that are more educated in their faith more were more passionate were more involved in their faith than if you just grabbed like you know 100 people in the church on average and said oh how many people are going five times a week how many people are reading their bible incessantly and can quote it non-stop and are are Mm -hmm. reading books and watching lectures in their own time like that group are much more represented than people that leave actually than people that stay yeah. um, i think i know why component. well yeah. it, 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 i mean that's a natural <clears throat> part right i mean it's right. anything you study more and more it's, it's like anyone that's an expert in their fields will generally speaking be a lot more cagey about making absolute statements about that field right and so right. your wife's got a master what was it, your wife's degree in was it uh, master's in chemistry yeah <clears throat> so she is going to know way more about chemistry than you or me Generally yeah. speaking, I feel fairly safe saying that. But when she makes statements about chemistry, I'm sure at times she's not black and white. She, cause she's like, well, it's actually a lot more complex. It's a lot more, you know what I mean? It's like people with yeah. a political degree, probably a little less black and white. Hopefully, I don't know, maybe not. Politics is just a weird one, right? Um, yeah. But it's just that thing of like, once you study, once you educate yourself and stuff, you start to realize, oh, this is more complex than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's not so black and white. Uh, it's one of the things I love about Ehrman um, is he he holds to more of an agnostic position, you know, whatever that is. But he's not trying to make people agnostic. He's not trying to com- deconvert right. anyone. He's just saying, look, let's look at this these facts. What you do with that is up to you. And many people still hold on to that and and, and reimagine their Christianity. And that's really a beautiful and wonderful thing if if they can do that. Um, but. I love that he's got that open-handed approach because and he's, he's studied it enough to go, well, this, I know this works for some Christians. I also know mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me. And that's why I can't right. be a Christian anymore. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating. The whole, the whole journey is, is a fascinating one for sure. I think, I think people like him and like the, the educated people that you're talking about, like we, we are on a, I'm not, I'm not that educated, but I do try to study this stuff. I'm not professionally educated. You, you, I was going to say, one of the things that I loved about your account and got me following your account is that you are clearly educated. You are maybe not formally educated in those areas, but you, you, know, you, you share stuff and I'm like, oh, this guy's been reading. This guy's been studying. Um, you know, nice. like you said stuff and I was like, oh gosh, yeah. Because a lot of things like I've recognized because I've read it or studied it and I'm like, oh, he's also done the work that I've done at some point. So you clearly mm-hmm. put some hard graft in. Um, and I think that's, that's something that people recognize relatively easily, uh, or at least, mm-hmm. uh, if they've also maybe done some of that work, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't otherwise, I don't know. Um, yeah. but it's, it's interesting. There is like this kind of hierarchy of education as well. And, and, and mm-hmm. for some good reasons that like, you know, um, we're probably not going to pass as like, you know, um, having our, uh, doctorates in divinity or anything like that, <laughs> you know, we'd probably fail in those rooms, but, um, the amount of work that you've someone like yourself has done in reading researching watching lectures reading Bart Ehrman you know doing that stuff it does pay off and it it does Mm -hmm. you develop what you know but it also is helping people that are following you now and looking to you to go oh like what do you think about this what do you think about that that's that's a really um a a very important and profound way to use that um self-education um, but yeah, sorry. I just, I, yeah, I no, thanks. I, you know, I, I put myself down for the same thing a lot. Like, um, but I think, you know, you, you are very clearly educated, um, just not maybe in the, um, 
the sense that a lot of and it's hard because when you self-educate you generally speaking spend a lot of time reading very educated people right so then you just feel even more unqualified because you're like well i mean like are you kidding like how many degrees does ermin have i don't know he probably like just collects degrees like candy right. Right? I, don't know, you know? I get it yeah. that, that gives me a nice little way out though so when people are like well how why are you saying this i'm like well i'm like i'm just saying what these experts say <laughs> and that's the beauty right and and that's that's actually what a lot of experts do as well as they go well you know like, let's look at this branch of you know experts. Yeah. ermin does this all the time right doesn't he he's like constantly going look this is just kind of the academic consensus i'm not telling you something that's bart Bar- ermin's mm-hmm. idea i've just looked across the board at all the experts and there's a few outliers here or there but across the board most people are saying no jesus wasn't born in a stable we're pretty confident of that okay let's move on to the next thing um and so he's he's pulling on those kind of like different experts uh, and i think that's right. a, again a, a, it's it's a sensible educated thing to do to learn i don't know and i'm not going to have people pretend yes. i'm not going to pretend to know i'm going to point to someone that does know and go look go read what that guy says he's gonna right. get a much better source than i will um, yeah. it took me a long time to come to that place i used to be an expert in everything as a christian right Probably <laughs> nothing but like right. um, yeah I think, and I think this is the other element that, you know, we need to get comfortable with saying, I don't know, and not being so certain about things. Mm. But I also think that we need to start realizing what is actually concrete and what is factual or what is reasonably historically factual. I I think when uh, we kind of, or at least a lot of Christians, evangelical Christians tend to well, people, it doesn't really matter if it's Christian or not, people tend to, uh, especially like conspiracy theorists, they like to deny facts and create their own. And and yeah. that is, that is to me, the definition of, of a fundamental. Say they deny what we know to be true within reality and they replace it with their own. And that is what I see evangelical Christians do all the time. Yeah. So like when I, when I said earlier that people who believe that the Bible is inerrant are fundamentalists, I absolutely believe that is the case because we know for a fact the bible has errors we know for a fact there are there are a ton of historical inaccuracies this was not written by a god this was written by man unless god is intentionally trying to lie to people which that's a whole other can of words we're not going to get into and so when people say that this is my this is not this is a reality that the bible is 100 percent true that is a fundamentalist because they are denying what is true and replacing with what with their own yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, if you look at just how religion evolves, right? I mean, religion is an answer to a question. Generally speaking, you look through history mm-hmm. and you look at it anthropologically and you go, here's a culture, the sun's gone down, they've just shat themselves, they don't know what to do. They're like, oh my God, is that thing coming back? What's going on? And where's this? What's that? The moon? I don't know. Like, and, and so they start worshiping the moon god or praying to the sun god that it'll beat the moon god and it'll come back. And then eventually, how many people do you know, Will? that worship the sun gods in the hope that it comes back every day you know like are they like burning their firstborn child overnight you know so that you know the sun comes nobody why because we now know how the sun and moon work and we figured out that it's got pretty much nothing to do with any of us believe it or not they're going to keep doing that for a long time after we're gone and 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 there's an element of like just education erodes certain mystical answers that we have created um Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that to say that there is no um force behind some of these things you know i'm not saying that there isn't a force that goes hey let's have a sun there and a moon there and we'll spin them around and do that that's that's fine but Mm -hmm. um but we 
are constantly getting new information. Like you're saying about the Bible. It's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. The Bible's right about everything. And it's like, okay, the Bible said that pi is three. Now that's pretty damn close for an ancient civilization. Not bad, good attempt, but we know that's wrong, right? right. I, I mean, I've actually had arguments with Christians on this. We're like, well, maybe it's not. And I'm like, no, no, no it's definitely not three. And they're like, well, maybe it's three and it's not 3.1. And I'm like, oh, this is painful. I don't even know how to have but this that's, that's what they do, though, is like they, they, the Bible has become their source of exactly. truth and facts. Like they basically, and that's what I did. That's why yep. I said evolution was false and that young earth creationism was true because yep. the Bible was God's word and God is right. And so yep. clearly everything else is wrong. But it's, a dis, it's, it's an inability to distinguish between, so the Bible is a spiritual text uh, book, you know, exploring spirituality, exploring the divine, exploring who we are, maybe even a philosophical and ethical um, uh, book, maybe guiding us on our morality. It's always, maybe even historical, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's tracking certain kings and what they did and what happened and wars that happened. All these things. Yes, it's a book full of poetry. It's a book full of whatever. But it is not at any point meant to be a science book or right. a maths book or a geology, you know, a geology book. Or, and, and I think the danger is when we make it this kind of like everything it says must be correct. There could be no human element in it. When it makes a mathematical statement, you go, oh, crap. Now we have to question maths and not this book. Right. Um, or it goes, uh, the, the ant is the most uh, hardworking, solitary animal. And it's like, not a biologist, but I've looked at biologists and I've watched a David Attenborough documentary or two and ants aren't solitary. Like they work together with other ants. Like right. I can't actually get my head around how they got that wrong. Like, I mean, like who wrote that? Like, that's like, did you spend any time watching that ant that you saw? Like you spend more than three seconds and it will join up with the rest of the ants. Um, uh, but because the Bible is the word of God and we've got to hold it up, now it's questioning biology. And, and it's mm-hmm. this inability to go, well, hold on, let's look at a biology expert and hundreds of years of biology to inform our biology and put the Bible on the side and go, could humans writing this make a, an analogy using their limited understanding of biology, their limited understanding of mass or whatever? Could they be drawing from that to make a point that still might be relevant? Maybe there's still a relevance to working as mm-hmm. hard as they perceive that ant worked. But let's not try and make that a, a biological textbook on how ants operate, because we know that's not true. It's this really weird dynamic. And it's the same. It's why people listen to their pastor about coronavirus instead of a fucking immunologist or something like that. You know, like listen to an expert in the field. Um, it, it frustrates me. It's, it's why people listen to, um, you know, a celebrity um, about uh, vaccination rather than, you know, again, someone that's an expert in the field. Like, you know, it's not, it's not hard to do, uh, but we, we listen to complete, um, uh, very smart, very interesting, very clever, very well-meaning people that have Mm -hmm. no background in these areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think that's someone like Bart Ehrman. Again, you you bring up Bart Ehrman, I'm going to jump on it because I love him. But I mean, this guy knows his new Testament Mm -hmm. and he'd be the first to say, Hey, that's old Testament don't grill me too much about that. It's not my expertise. And I'm like, this guy knows the Bible better than I do a hundred percent. And he probably knows the old Testament better than I do, but he's still quick to go, mm, not an expert in the old Testament. Right. Let's talk about the new Testament. Or if you want to talk about the old Testament, I'll point you in some directions. Um, and I think it's the same deal with, you know, whatever we should be going, mm-hmm. Oh, let's look at this person in the Bible. What were they an expert in? Ah, 
exploring spirituality, talking about what God is and who we are, they weren't an expert in maths, mm -hmm. right? I mean, almost certain. Maybe they were. I don't know. It doesn't record many mathematicians in the Bible. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm just astonished by how we just fail to make those kind of like um, intuitive like decisions of like, what's this person an expert in and what will I listen to them yeah. for, you know? Um, it's, it's just terrifying. It's really, really terrifying. It really is. But, yeah, it, but we do it, it everywhere. I, yeah, it destroys, I mean, religion directly destroys a people's ability to think critically. Mm. But I mean, it's definitely heavily overlapped with religion, but I know many people outside of religion that still do it. I know many people outside of religion that still look to Trump for medical advice rather than a doctor or, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, and so yeah. the, the overlap there is a big, now the Venn diagram is almost a circle on that. I, I will give you that. Right. Um, but actually I do know a huge chunk of people that aren't religious and oh, yeah, yeah, Trump yeah. for some other reason and still go, well, this is a great advice, you know, and right. doctors are putting out paper after paper going, please don't take this drug. It's really dangerous. And they're like, oh, Trump's an expert. Yeah. And it's like, Maybe it's something. Yeah. I, I yeah, think that he's smart in certain things. Yeah, it's definitely not just religion for sure. But um, you know, it's religion does it better I, than most. It definitely can. Of course, not all religions do. I get it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're speaking generalizations here, but you know, it just just be safe. Think think critically. Don't drink the Kool Aid. You know, if that that's really what it comes down to is like I know people who would straight up drink that Kool Aid from Jonestown straight up without question and that that terrifies me and and you know they they have children they're good parents but at the exact same time it's like childhood indoctrination is a horrible thing the things that they're that's happening to uh women in quality that's starting to get a little bit better that's a horrible thing the thing with lgtbq community and deconversion there or conversion therapy is there, there is just so much horrible things going on out there done by people who do not have the authority to do it first off they think yeah. they have the authority because they're coming from speaking from god but then like like with conversion therapy it's like you literally have people who with have an associate's degree or no degree at all giving psychological advice to yeah. gays on how to become straight yeah no like it's that's that's not cool so far removed from the right if there was mm -hmm. a right person to do that you would not be that person <laughs> exactly and the but fact so is I, that there is no one that's the right person to do that mm -hmm that is doing it which suggests that anyone that's educated enough goes mm, we shouldn't be doing that and that's right. you know that's where you follow through yeah. it's, it's just but wild. i do love what you said about you know like how Aaron says i don't talk about the old testament it's like there's a lot of things i don't talk about people ask me a lot about my opinion on islam I'm like i know nothing about islam the only thing i know about islam is i i was uh, at war with their country for a few years mm. <laughs> or with Islamic, and that's that's really about it i never read the quran i just i simply say i don't know people yeah. I, like to ask me for so this is this is something, and I probably we should probably end this here pretty soon. But yeah, this yeah. is like one of the things that that really personally has been bothering me lately is is the whole trauma thing. Like, with so many Christians have gone through trauma, and there is a, a lot of uh, ex Christians and, and and people kind of deconstructing, giving all this traumatic advice. And I'm like, I'm not sure you're qualified to say some of these things. Some of these things kind of sound kind of concerning. Mm. Um, and so when people ask me about trauma. Like, oh, what should I do about this? I'm like, I'm not a psychologist. Yeah, go speak to a psychologist. I, I don't know. 100 percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes yeah. me really happy that we do have, especially on Instagram, so many psychologists who are straight up psychologists and, and they do help out specifically with deconverting therapy and things like that. Yeah. And like dealing with the 
the mind fuck that that we call religion sometimes yeah. and evangelical fundamentalism. No, absolutely. The secular therapy for people listening and are looking for something. The secular therapy project is a fantastic movement for there that. Like it's just Thank really you. great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. And we've, we've, most of us have grown up in churches where the pastors are the therapists and they're unqualified and they're doing it terribly. And so like, I think yeah. it, it's a big step to realize, wow, this is a whole industry that is here to help me full of people that just genuinely mm-hmm. want to help you get healthy and better. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and it's exciting to be getting free of those kind of things. So yeah, people should Indeed. definitely go to a therapist, not some random person on Instagram for your um, trauma therapy, uh, for sure. Unless maybe the, the person on Instagram is a therapist, but maybe ask to see some sort of credentials. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be good. <laughs> Absolutely. Will, thank you so much for coming on. I've yeah, really man. enjoyed chatting with you. It's been really great. Sorry we went over, um, but no, I really was, appreciate you giving me the time. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. Really enjoyed yeah. connecting, getting to meet you have a face to put to uh, the the conversations that we have and things like that. Um, no, great. Thank, really thank, thank my wife. My, my wife is the one that was babysitting the birds for the last two and a half hours and the birds oh, are being wow. kind of well, loud. So well, thank she'll you. probably rescue her. Now. They're, they're getting cooked <laughs> up. They're getting fed up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> man. Yeah, hey, great. that was great. Yeah, absolutely, Thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, I'll let you know when it goes live and um, uh, I'll let you know. It probably be, it might even be October by now. I, I don't even know my schedule, but I've, I've okay. filmed quite a few recently. So um, I'm cramming them in, but uh, yeah, that no, was really great. I appreciate what you're so, doing. I, I think the work okay. you're doing is really important and really helpful. So yeah. Cool. Thanks so much, man. All right. Love you, man. Catch you later. You too. Peace. Bye. All right. That was Will from Heretical Theology. And so you can check out Will at Instagram. His tag is heretical underscore theology. And I really enjoy the stuff he puts out. It, you know, um, it makes me laugh, but his stuff is remarkably good um solid theological um uh, exegetical work and and so um it makes me laugh because most christians are not going to be putting in the work and putting out such great content on the bible um and so y- you might want to check it out because it's, it's a beautiful twist on uh, on that world because obviously um a lot of the time he's trying to show problems contradictions he's trying to show uh, ways that christians twist the text and trying to approach the text differently um but he does it from a very very um well thought out and studied background um and, and perspective and so yeah it's worth checking out he's, he's got some great content on there um talking to great content thegracecourse.com lots of free content lots of free resources um teachings on different um topics uh different perspectives within christianity if you want to hold on to some components of christianity but are deconstructing there's a lot of great material in there um specifically one of the th- ones i point out is spiral dynamics is a great um resource on there uh, it's also on youtube and my podcast as well but um a, a way of looking at uh, human psychological development and how we grow psychologically as humans um, can be very helpful when you're interacting with people that are in a very different place and understanding why they're in a different place and how they think how they interact and what might be a better way to interact with them understanding yourself and where you are as well of course is a huge thing um, and so do check out um, resources like that over at thegracecourse.com or youtube podcast lots of different places you can connect with that stuff um, the deconstruction network fantastic resource again free everything i do is free uh, in case you haven't picked that up uh deconstructionnetwork.com great place to connect with other people that are going through deconstruction um and so if you have felt lonely and isolated in that process it's a great place to go and hopefully find other people that are going through that in your local area um which i think most of us would all appreciate um 
And finally, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, if you enjoy all this stuff, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy all the free resources I'm putting out, if you appreciate me being able to talk with you throughout the day, any time of the week, um, I do all of that for free. Um, and I can only do that because of people that support me. Um, and so if you would like to be a part of uh, my support network, you can do that over at patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Um, the same uh, perks, uh, I get a little bit more if you do it through Phil Drysdale because Patreon take 8%. Um, but yeah, um, that would be hugely helpful. We have a private discussion group. We have uh, monthly Zoom calls. There's, if you um, give a bit more in, in some of the higher tiers, there's uh, perks like having Skypes with me and different things like that. Uh, very hard to pick perks because obviously most of the stuff I do, in fact, everything I do is free. Um, and so, yeah, but I would love to see you over on the private discussion group. We have some phenomenal conversations, really fascinating ones. Um, but yeah, that is all for now. I will see you next week. Love you guys.